Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, get paid. Welcome to another episode of the NRL Supercoach All-Stars Podcast. This is Barnsley, back again for another Supercoach TLT episode. TLT round four. Can't believe that we've already had three rounds of footy. It feels like it just started yesterday, but we've already just hit the first price rises of the 2022 Supercoach season. So really big milestone the first few weeks after you get through those. It's pretty big because that's when everything starts to really change because we've got the market values coming into play with the break-evens and the changes of pricing and everything like that. So for this episode, got Billy back on board. So, Billy, welcome back, brother. How you been doing in Supercoach the last couple of weeks, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Um, round one, brilliant. Round two, absolute shocker. Round three, brilliant. So sitting uh, uh, sitting about 100 points off the lead. So happy with that. How about yourself? Very nice. I'm clinging on the top 1,000. But um, had a... Had a bit of a mishap on the weekend, unfortunately. So I was going, I was going really well, um, and then the weekend I, I dropped a little bit. So still under that top one thousand type of mark, and um, pretty good spot to be in, really. I think if you're sort of within that first couple of thousand, you've done a pretty decent start, especially with some of the the carnage that we've had the first few weeks of footy. I think so. Oh, I'm I'm pretty happy with my start. I think one of the big things too, and this will go into the the start of the podcast as well. But I think one of the big things too is that. Um, you can kind of negate where you are on your rank as well, just based on how you feel about your team. Like I, I feel like that I'm I'm happier with my team than what my even what my rank is. Like I, I don't feel like that I'm missed out on heaps of stuff. I don't feel like I've got to make heaps of changes. So I, I think you're in that in that position. Like even if you rank like ten thousand, but you know that you've you know made all the right moves, and you're even looking at your team and going, well, "Wow, I don't even really need to make trades this week." I think you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, yeah, 100%, mate. I think I ended up scoring uh, 1050 or 1100 round one, which was obviously brilliant considering most people were around 800, 900 mark. But then I ended up scoring 800 round two and was like ranked 35,000. But based off your, off what you were just saying, then, was really happy with my team and was pretty confident. But I think those uh, having that extra trade is absolutely mint at the moment. It just allows you to restructure your team really, really quickly and just get back up the ranks. Yeah, that's right. Um, I and it certainly like I think I was the opposite to you. I, I started pretty well actually. Round one was good for me, but round two oh, I had a thousand and something. I think it was so that was like a real, a real good rocket that one. Um, so that went really well. But last week I ended up at about eleven fifty, so that one dropped me down a little bit. But pretty good start overall. I, I think it's really all over the shop at the moment though. And the good thing to remember for people is that you're even if you're really, really far back in the ranks, you're actually not that many points off. You know, you might only be a couple of hundred points off going up, you know, 30,000 spots and stuff like that. And we saw a lot of movement, um, even with some of the super coach guys that we talked to or some of the guys that I get on the podcast here, you know, went up like 30,000 spots. So they might have looked like they started really badly, but they're right back in the hunt now. So you can move very quickly in these early rounds. Yeah, 100%. I mean, think of it this way. If you get uh, you know, 100 people together and give them a score for one round, the average is going to be that one round. And then give them another score, then you, you're going to see that, that that spike and that volatility go up and down real quick. But the, the longer you go on, it's, it's like watching a, a cricket game, you know. The first two the f- first two or three overs, you average you know, sort of 23 runs and over, all of a sudden it comes right down to six, seven very quickly. So, And similarly, if you score zero runs for the first couple of overs, it, it's going to get back up to six, seven pretty quickly. So I wouldn't be too concerned. Yep, definitely. 
So for everyone listening for this podcast episode, we are obviously going to go have TLT round four like we normally do and go through that, all the options, all the interesting market trends at the moment with the buying and selling going on as well as the captaincy options and other players of interest and also concerns that we might have for these matchups this week. But before that, we're going to have a brief trade strategy segment where we're just going to talk a little bit about trade strategy, which we normally do. Uh, and to start off with, before we even get into that, just as a quick round review to sort of put us where we're at, the first few rounds, I think the first two especially were really difficult, but round three that's just finished, I think we've seen a lot of the point scoring back, which is a really good thing. So when you're having a look at the point scoring for round three, one of the key things to look at is that we actually had way more tons than what we had the first two rounds. So 10 tons, 10, 100 plus scores for round three. And out of those, some really highly owned players. So certainly, you know, Nico Hines, really highly owned at the moment. Uh, Cameron Munster's reasonably high owned at 15%. But one of the most high owned players out of the star guns is Ryan Pappenhausen. And he's almost 40% owned and he had a ton on the weekend. So we did see a few more guys with the pedigree actually come through with tons, which we didn't really see in the first two rounds. But 10 plus tons, Billy. You know, we we're getting sort of four or five in the first couple of rounds, and that's doubled. And certainly, even if you're looking at those 80 plus scores, which we didn't have a lot of, you know, we had 21 80 plus scores, which is a lot better than the first couple of rounds, too. So I don't want to say that scoring is back, but there were certainly more points scoring in the games on the weekend, even though the margins were closer. So I guess a little bit hope for, you know, Supercoach to get closer to what we've seen the last few years rather than a bit of a grind fest in point scoring the first two rounds. Yeah, I think so, mate. There's, there's a couple um, variables there. There's obviously, you know, you know t- teams like the Dogs and the Warriors and um, the Broncos, they they forget that they finished bottom of the ladder last year or that they're not as strong as, as other teams. So they come out of the gates trying to get a couple of wins. So until, until a team loses, loses a couple of the others, sort of, you know, they don't have that momentum. Um, that's probably one point. Secondly, you know, new spines, new year, fitness. I mean, all of the above. Team Teams end up sort of gelling, shed a bit of the rust and form a few combinations and then just start start getting start getting into the zone, mate. So I, I think you're fine, sort of those numbers to creep up pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. And look, backwards momentum is a real thing too. It doesn't get spoken about enough. We always talk about momentum as a positive thing. Momentum going the other way is also a thing too. And I do think that it takes teams longer to normally sort of hit that. But certainly a team like the Tigers, you know, I think that they've hit that backwards reverse momentum a lot quicker than what you would have expected. Like they, The way they've played the last couple of weeks, round two and three has really killed them, you know, very quickly. Like I agree with what you said. Like normally a lot of these teams will kind of play really hard and, and kind of, you know, be right up for it the first few weeks before it starts to grind down on them if they're not as good a quality football side as some of the others. But we, we've seen the Tigers really go backwards very quickly. Yeah, and it's pretty pretty obvious too. I mean, it's, it's that obvious that if you had a bloke like um, Fafita with a break-in of 150, 160 this week, you'd still want to keep him just purely for, for this game. They're that sort of ordinary at the moment. I mean, if you had a break-in even of 200, it might be a different story, but points are points. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about a couple of my Titans this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to those in the TLT matchups, that's for sure. But um, when we're having a look at a few different things that I, I guess we can look at it at the moment because of break-evens now coming into play. You know, break-evens and changes of pricing for players really changes the whole complexity of the game. And obviously we need to wait three rounds for that to happen. So 
it's almost an entirely new game now that we're starting looking at round four because we've just had all these price rises and money's going to play a big factor in decision-making as well. So, Billy, a few things that I just I start to look at, particularly at this point, and for everyone listening, like some of this stuff might sound really basic and, you know, that's cool. I understand some people are a lot more experienced as Supercoach and others, maybe some people won't find it useful, but it is a podcast for everybody. So I do like to cover all bases, whether you're, you know, a seasoned super coacher for since the game started or whether you just started this year. I do like to try and touch on things that might be able to help everyone. Uh, so a few of the basic things that I do every week, particularly from now that we have the price rises, Billy. One, I always search the break-evens as soon as they're ready from, you know, the obviously the biggest negative break-even downwards. And I, I pinpoint everyone that's a negative break-even that's obviously going to change price the next round and I have a look at anyone who I think that I might have missed or that I might need so searching on the break evens that way got to do it every single time I love to look at the top scores of the round as well and and again Supercoach the site really makes it very easy just to sort round three points and you get to have a look at it all that's really interesting because you, you get to start to see trends and you also look at guys that are on sort of hot streaks too but you can also kind of see guys who, you know, maybe are a gun that you didn't fancy enough and all of a sudden they're the only really highly owned gun that's actually in that top 10 or the only guys that are scoring sort of 100 plus and, and then you need to start to get a bit anxious about it or guys that you've just forgotten about. It's just good to keep tabs on who the top scorers are each round in sort of that top 10 type of area. Um, averages something at this point that I find really effective. Now, after round one, Billy, or even round two, average really doesn't mean much. You know, you've got a one-game sample size, so there is no average, or you've got a two-game sample size where the average doesn't matter as much. After you've got three rounds, that's when average really starts to come into play. And you can kind of start to see round three, four, and five in particular, where guys' value really is at on their average score per game. Um, And one of the things that I always avoid is looking at total points because obviously, you know, someone like Munster's played one less game. It does a disservice if you can look at total points. Average is what I always check out as well to see how they fluctuate, who's in the top 20 still, who isn't, who I don't have in that area that I might want to look at targeting. So, Billy, that's just a few little quick tips that I do when I'm having a look at the numbers every Tuesday uh, before TLT and stuff. Do you do the same sort of stuff? Do you have anything in particular that you look for each week at this point that money's changing? Yeah, 100%. So first thing I do is exactly the same as what you did. Um, also, at the opposite end, end of the spectrum, like if if you've got a turbo at a break even of 300, you have similar sort of discussions as to how you can sort of dissect him. The other thing I do is try to offset it. So the whole the whole point of having negative keeping blokes with negative break evens and looking for them is to what? It's to make cash, right? And why do you want to make cash? You want to make cash so you can get a more expensive guy or a better or a guy that has a proven a proven history, so you can make more points on average over the next five or six weeks, right? But if you've got a bloke like Cameron Munster who's even only sort of played one game. He might not be going up in price this week, and you'll have a lot of arguments to say, well, why get him this week? Because you're risking, you know, he could get injured. He's not going to increase in price, so get the other blokes. The counter argument to that is Kevin Munster won the best number sixes in the game where no one else is performing in that position almost to a certain extent, and he's playing the Bulldog this week, and it has a decent run coming up. So sometimes you can say to yourself, you know what? I'm actually going to forego a 50 grand increase in price from another bloke because instead of getting, you know, his 25 or 55 score, 
um, with, uh, off the back of his, you know, so negative 50 break-even, I can actually get Munsters, you know, sort of 100, 110 possibly, maybe even VC or a captaincy. And you know what? It's going to completely offset, you know, what I can what I can do with that cash in three or four weeks because I'm going to get those points up this weekend and I get to play Munster again next week as well. So there is a counter-argument to just going early. It's not all that cash. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and one of the things that I do like what you said, though, even though I agree with you with the point stuff, going back onto the cash argument too, is that, you know, looking at the opposite end of the spectrum, which I do do as well, I didn't mention, but I really like that you mentioned that because it's just as important to look at the the highest break-evens down as what it is to look at the lowest negative break-evens. And sometimes I think people forget that because we talk about on the podcast all the time how important planning is. You know, even if you're not looking at getting some guys, if you notice, you know, somebody's got like a, you know, a 250 break-even, a 200 break-even, and they're a gun player, you should be circling those guys and you should be looking ahead to sort of how you're building your team and what you want. Because, I mean, I'll give you an example. Cody Walker, you know, he's not very popular. Everyone's dumped him. He's only about 3% owned. But he's a really good example because he's potentially going to be 150K discount in a couple of weeks' time and it coincides with South's draw opening up. Now, there's guys like that where you might go, look, I never really was that into Cody Walker, but it actually coincides with some other guys maybe peaking in price in your halves in, a, in two or three weeks' time and him bottoming out in price. So certainly you, you were never interested in a Cody Walker at 700K odd, but at you know 525K, all of a sudden you probably should be interested in someone like that or at least having earmarked as someone that's a potential trade-in in a few weeks' time. And, and likewise, it helps make your decisions too, Billy. Like if you're going to trade in someone for points this week, but, you know, you're not sure about it or you're tossing him up with another guy and that secondary forward that you're going to look at has a 200 break even. Well, it might be a good idea maybe just to wait a couple of weeks if you think you can get similar points from the other option that you're considering too. Yeah, exactly. And similarly, if you've got Munster there already and you've got Ilias or whatever you call it, and, you, you know, if he, if he has a monster game this week and he's got a break even at 60 next week, he's got that same soft draw. Instead of going for Walker, like where else can you get the benefit? Maybe you divert your attention to Alex Johnson and go, you know what, he's also dropping in 100 grand in cash and he might be the next best option. So if Walker fires, you know, more than likely it's going to be him as well. So he bossed you center three quarters. So there's plenty of ways to skin a cat with the same money. Yep, totally. And certainly, you know, you should be looking ahead at least a few weeks to kind of see where you want to get your team out, where you want your purchases from. You don't want to be ad hocing every single week or who do I want to purchase this week? You should have some ideas in your head for your plan. Uh, for me, like I'm targeting two teams at the moment. Uh, the Roosters draw is about to open up. I know everyone's going to say, Barnsley, you're a Roosters fan, I am. But, you know, if they were playing, you know, Penrith, Para, Souths and Melbourne the next month, I, I wouldn't be targeting them at all. The Roosters draw opens up a little bit. Opens. They're one a that lot. I'm looking at and targeting. A lot. Um, and the Rabbits. The Rabbits is opening up a lot. <laughs> so those are the two sides. That old rivalry we just saw in the weekend where my boys got pounded. You know, the, the Roosters and Souths teams. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, pillaging those two teams of super coach options the next month of football to have them into my side because it looks like that's where the good draw is and where the points can be. But also with both of those teams, you're going to find some of those really high break even. So it's one of those things where you have to get all the bits of information and put it all together and see what marries up best. And, you know, purchases of South Sky's bottoming out when they hit a great run, that works really well, obviously. Yeah, 100%, mate. My strategy is exactly the same as yours. Wait, wait seven days and Walker and Tedesco are in my team for that exact, exact reason, mate. 
Um, obviously, with the uh, extreme ease of the draw for both those teams, I'll be using whatever third trade I can to get a third wheel on there. Um, even if it's just uh, class, as an example, you know, May is, is gone. He's a tackle-busting freak. I don't care that he's playing South this week. He's just one of those guys that, you know, he's in there for four weeks. Even if it's only two or three, he's going to score points. So just get him into your team this week. Get, get get that cash ready for next week because, you know, if you, if you want to bolster two positions next week, make sure you've got that cash on hand ready. Oh, that's going to be a contentious discussion shortly, but um, I'm looking forward to that one. For everyone, everyone that was wondering, me and Billy didn't rehearse this podcast or anything. We're not all using the exact same strategies and everything because we've agreed on them together. <laughs> it just happens to be that way. We're in total agreement with what we're, what our plans are and what we're doing at the moment. So no rehearsals here, guys. Uh, TLT, Billy, let's get to it. First TLT game to have a look at is the Tigers versus the Titans. And look, this one, both these teams, there's, I guess, the Titans were seemingly travelling okay. And then they had a terrible second half last week against Canberra. So that went awful. Whereas the the Tigers themselves, like we said before, just seem absolutely rudderless at the moment. So normally you'd want whoever's playing the Tigers right now. That's kind of the early early giveaway on what you want to target each week if you want some immediate points. The team news for the Titans, Asako's going to make his debut at the expense of Jaden Campbell. I know a lot of Fafita owners are happy about that, but Jaden Campbell's, I'm going to say, a better player than Asako. Um, Thompson does return, though, who replaces Philip Sammy, who's got COVID. Thompson, again, is a really good player, but Sammy's actually been playing really well. For the Tigers, we get Tulagi back, which is phenomenal. So that's the big super coach news, aside from big Stefano going down. And you know what? Stefano going down really saves owners a little bit because they should have been selling him anyway. He's been a disappointment, as we thought that he would be. And the injury is just going to make everyone sell him, uh, rather than a few people probably hold on. So... Definitely an easy out for everyone. Um, look, when we're looking at market watch, mate, but the top 10 most traded in, Fermor for the Titans has been going exceptionally well. Uh, and I'm going to say, like, he's exceeded expectations for me. So at the moment, when you're having a look at how both Fermor's going, I can see why he's in the top 10 most traded in. He's currently 440,000. He's got a minus 29 break even. So he's going to make some cash for sure. 89, 77, and 36 in round one. Looks really positive. You can obviously have him in your center wing. I get why people are buying him. I didn't start with him. I didn't actually think he was going to get 80 minutes, which is what he needed. I thought he'd end up getting 60 because Proctor was on the bench. Um, I sort of thought that he would come off for a bit. That hasn't happened. While he keeps getting 80 minutes, he's got a, a raw base of 40. He's going to get good enough scores to be considering. So I guess with the trade-in, Billy, I mean, you're going to make money out of him at minus 29 BE. He has needed to score a try the last two weeks in a row to get those big scores, but 36 without the try in round one, you can kind of see both ends of the spectrum with both uh, more. Uh, I don't own him. I'm kind of looking at 440K, umming and ahhing, thinking, you know, is he now too expensive for me to take the punt on him, considering there's so many options this week? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I'm one of those getting him in, but I was sceptical the same as you, mate. Um, when he scored that 36, 39, whatever, whatever it was in round run, round one, I felt vindicated. Like that's the reason why I didn't get him. He did have a try assist and a line break assist, or even just a try assist taken off him that round. I think so. I think there was a borderline like bat on or something or other. The same thing. I thought he was only going to get going to get to the 60 minute minutes. Proctor kind of scared me. It also is the Titans kind of figured, look, the guy needs to have some attack. And he didn't, I didn't really sort of see his name sort of 
wow, the highlight um, reels last year for whatever minutes he did have. So I stayed away from him for that reason. But so watching all three Titans games uh, very closely because I had Sexton, I mean, the guy just seems to be hitting lines, running hard, like he's actually getting clutch. Oh, so I, I kind of put him in that Tupanua um, bracket. Like he's, you know, he's going to get 40. He's getting 80 minutes now. Um, mere fact that he's available, that sort of center three-quarter position. I think I'm happy just to uh, take a 40, 45 every sort of two or three or four weeks if that's all he gets. And if he can go over the line or get a line break once, if you, you know, three weeks, bring him up to what, 55, I'd be happy with that at the price. So, um, and given his draw, particularly with the tight, with the Tigers this week, that's, that's why I went, nah, I'm just going to get him. He's, he's one guy I don't have that uh, I think seven out of ten people in, in the top ten have. So just kind of figure just run with the masses on that is, is where I'm heading. Yeah, he's reasonably owned overall too. He's at he's 15% currently and he's going to be a lot more owned after this week being in the top ten most traded in. He's averaging actually the second best out of any Titan, which is surprising. He's just over 67 points a game after three rounds of footy and he's played all three. So, you know, he's going better than David Fafita by five points uh, and he has had a really good season. And what you mentioned too, being at centre wing, I think that's a big kicker. Um, the thing that makes it really hard for me is that I, I didn't want to trade him in, mainly because of a role. I just didn't think that he was going to get 80 minutes. If he was getting 80 minutes, I probably would have been starting with him at my centre wing. But because I didn't, it's really hard to pay the extra 60000 to get him in now as a non-owner. Um, I want him, but there's other trades that I probably want to do more. Look, I think he's a good trade-in and one of the best things about him you don't find this with everyone that they actually marry up perfectly with having a, a pretty big negative break even and also a really the best matchup you could have. Yeah. So like you're going to get the best points that both Fermor could have a chance at nabbing this week against the Tigers edge and you're going to get him at a negative BE and those two things don't normally marry up. So he's a very good buyer this week. So other players of interest, um, you touched on Fafita before. Now Fafita's obviously had a, a a reasonably disappointing season so far. He's averaging 62 points a game. He came in at 750K. He's already dropped close to 40K on his first price drop. Uh, and he's still owned by 30% of coaches. So, I mean, certainly there was a lot of people that sold him. I was one of those people. Uh, it was just too much money tied up. And I sort of made the call in the previous podcast that if attack's going to be down, it's going to hurt him quite a bit. But certainly this was the week, like when I was selling him, this was the week I was scared about not owning him. So it sucks this week. I'm going to put it to you. If you didn't own him, so you obviously, you know, if you decided to sell him a week or two ago, you're done. You know, you shouldn't be looking at him again because I think you should have looked ahead a couple of weeks and said the Tigers are coming up. If I want him for that, I'm going to hold him. If you decided not to do that, you know, you can't get him back in. But say you're a non-owner, Billy, like say you haven't owned a David Fafita, maybe you can go, you know what, 100 plus BE, doesn't really matter because I think he's going to hit 100 against the Tigers. Yeah, 700-odd K. Is he sort of the Angus upgrade trade that people could look at just because of the matchup this week? Hell no. Hell no. Because um, if if you if you did your homework last week when you sold him, you would have seen that, you know, he had the Tigers this week. But if you do your homework this week, just like last week, you would have looked at what he's got next week and the week after and the week after, and then I think you'd be horrified. So I'm, mate... Even if he scores 160 this week, I'm selling next week. I'm using his coin for Tedesco and Walker, given what his draw is coming up. The fact that the only reason I'm keeping him this week is because of the Tigers. Yeah, and it was definitely a calculated risk for me where I wanted that money. And I, I did, you know, I honestly, after after the round two game, I was looking ahead and going, you know, Canberra, okay, but oh, the Tigers, can I really afford to sell him for that? Because I, I just... I'm shit scared this week that he's going to put up a big score. But 
after that is what is the key. And Billy nailed it. You might look at this week and really want those points this week, but sometimes it really, really helps just to say, you know, I'm going to take the hit this week. I'm going to just be unhappy on the weekend when Fafita scores 120 and then just move on because I know the next month I'll be happier that I did that. Parramatta round five, Manly round six, Cowboys round seven, Penrith round eight, Roosters round nine. That is a terrible five weeks of footy after that Tigers game. Granted, the Cowboys matchup is pretty decent, but having four out of those five against Para, Manly, Penrith and the Roosters, that's not a good matchup at all for Fafita. Totally on board with you. I wouldn't be buying him in, but he's probably one of the really good vice-captain options for this week if you do own him. 30% of people still own Fafita. If I owned him as much as I wouldn't be buying him, as much as I'm happy enough with my team bill that I sold him, I'd be 100% vice-captaining him this week against the Tigers. I, I really like that one. Yeah. Um, if you haven't got a half or a fullback that you think is going to go bigger than that, I think he's your next best option. Um, he did it last year. I think he scored three tries in the first 20 minutes or 30 minutes of round three or four last year. It scared the shit out of me. So, <laughs> If you're having a look at last year, I mean, he scored 97 against the Tigers. So, I mean, I think people could kind of live with that if you managed to do that again. And it was sort of the same type of period where the Tigers were starting to fall apart in round nine. You couldn't really live with this 153 that he scored last year against South being against Tigers this week. Uh, similar edge type of scenarios too with those matchups. So, yeah, look, if you own him, get the VC on him. I think he's one of the better VC options this week. But, Billy, you had someone else to finish up on on this game that you were really happy about as a, a bit of a pod VC shout. Yo, I wouldn't buy him. <laughs> Not with that run coming up. But if you wanted a 3% that I own him, whatever it is, I'd be, um, I'd be visiting Sexton this week. I was pretty excited last week. He was on 64 at halftime, and I was absolutely cheering. And then he finished on 74 or something. So... I wasn't very happy with that. But he's been averaging sort of you know, 55 without actually crossing crossing a line, kicking a, kicking a few goals, one or two sort of cut out balls for a couple of tries, just line break assists. So I think if he can do that over the last of the three weeks, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he can do versus the Tigers. But might end up scoring 50, who knows? But I'm going to have a throw at the stumps with him. Yeah, look, that's... It's a pretty big pod, but and when you're just doing a VC, though, those are the type of things that you can do just to try and get ahead. Um, certainly, with the way scoring's gone as well, you know, you can kind of consider 120 type of VC when maybe in years past you wanted to sort of 130 or so. Um, one of the things that worries me about the, the C on the Titans players, though, and I have seen a few people throw around, you know, straight C for feeder. And look, I, I get it. It's a bit of a pod move because a lot of people first game don't like doing the straight C. But the Titans last week in the second half were terrible. Like they were winning 22-0 at the half and they lost 24-22, 24-0 second half. You know, and it was one of those ones where they just, for super coach purposes, did nothing in the second half as well. So as a team, the Titans are a little bit of a worry for me right now with how they're playing sometimes. And coming off last week, if that form continues from that second half, it could be a lot more of an arm wrestle than what people think with the Tigers and Titans. So, yeah, it's I'm not really sure what to make of this game, but that brings us to the top sport bet of the week. There's no chance, Billy, that I'm choosing a winner. <laughs> so I'm not going there. <laughs> but top sport, David Fafita, he has not scored a try yet, and it is round four. He's not going to go much longer without getting a try, as good an opportunity as any against the Tigers. $2.70 for 
for any time, try for David Fafita. That's what I'm going for. Jesus, I thought that'd be like a buck ninety or something. Yeah, great, great value on top sport, like we always say. Uh, Sharkies versus Knights is the, the second game. And again, on the market watch side of things, no one really being traded out in their droves from the Knights or the Sharks, but traded in. Nico Hines, once again, he is being traded in massively to be one of the top trading targets for this round. Absolutely killed it last round. Ended up top scoring for the round as well on the first game. Um, actually, sorry, Cam Murray updated above him. So Cam Murray was 129. Nico Hines, 124 with the second best effort last week. He went up 58,000, Billy. So he is now 744,000 to buy. He's in 33% of teams already. And we already have 5% plus of teams getting him in at the moment for this week so far. Very big call. Like, I'm a big Nico Hines fan. I do like the matchup against Newcastle. I do expect him to go well again this week. When we're having a look at his numbers, you know, it all marries up to be someone that you really want to have in your team for the for this week's game, but also for the run. And when you look at the fact that he's only got a single-digit BE, it's kind of like, well, if I don't buy Nico Hines this week, I'm never going to buy him because he's just going to be way too expensive. But he's already up 744000 Going through the numbers quickly, Billy, 72, 101, 124 points. The only player in the NRL to get two super coach tons back to back so far. 33 raw base plus his goal kicking means that he's at a 50 plus at worst with his floor, um, even a 60 plus with his floor. I get everyone wanting him. Is 744,000. Have you let the boat go by already? No, not at all. Get him. If you don't own him, get him. He, he should be closer to 950. Um, I had a look at his numbers just to break it down um, for everyone on this one here. So he's basically 25, 25 tackles and um, 15 points in the hit up to game. So basically 40 points in just, uh, and you know, he's good for sort of on average sort of 10 tackle bus. Sorry, 10 points in tackle bus to game on average. You know, you, you would think um, he's been getting just like eight points a game at the moment. And that's, that's in where, add, add the dry factor. So, there's 50 points him just taking the field, all right? So it hasn't even taken a field yet. As long as he's healthy, he's going to get that. He's going to get 50. You throw in the fact that he's kicking goals, at 35%, let's let's say he converts, you know, two per game and and misses one. You're getting your your upper 50s there. All he's got to do is have one try assist or one line break assist per game. And then all of a sudden, what's that put you at? You know, 75, I would like to think that he could easily, absolutely easily grab a 35 average between now and the end of the year. And he's been punching more than one clutch, clutch stat per game. So I've got absolutely no problem with, with buying him at around like between a 75 and 90 average. And I reckon he gets a lot more tons this year. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And I do think that it is one of those big decisions this week the coaches are making. Obviously, Newcastle have been playing pretty well. I think they're quite susceptible to someone like Hines doing really well against them. He just scored 101 points against Parramatta in round two, who are obviously tracking pretty well as well. Uh, and I think that the big thing for me, Billy, is he every year we get these guys in the early rounds where one or two of them is, is a guy that gets away. You know, he's a guy that, gets really heavily owned that is kind of the flavor of the month that all super coaches jump on. And by all, I mean like a, a large chunk, you know, 30% plus owned at the moment, Nico Hines. Yeah. But obviously a, a few people hold off for 
sensible sounding reasons. So he can't keep it up or he's he's just had a big price rise. He's overpriced or I need other guys in that position because he's halfback or fullback only. All really valid reasons. But there's always these guys that end up leaving you behind early on. And I think Nico Hines is that guy for 2022. He's going to leave you behind the masses if you don't get him in to match them. Um, so I 100% agree getting him in. I will say with a single-digit B and 744,000, don't get him in a couple of weeks. Okay, now. You need to prioritise him as you're trading right now against this Newcastle side as well. I was just going to say, think of it this way. Tom was, at, Tom was at 1.2. People are waiting for him to bottom out at 900 so he can get him back. This bloke here is has a higher base and is proving himself just as good at the moment uh, output-wise and is 750. Just get him. He's 150 to almost 200 grand cheaper than what you're looking at buying Tom at and has already put in Tom output. Yep, yep, exactly right. And can I just point out to finish off on the Nico Hines buy fest here that after Newcastle, he has the West Tigers and that is a full-on captaincy game right there. Hard games against the Storm and Manly. But then Broncos, Warriors, Raiders, Titans straight after that as well. So, I mean, it's a pretty good Cronulla draw. And to finish off on the numbers, I like all your numbers. I'm going to throw up another stat out there. Nico Hines, the first three games, every game has taken more hit-ups than any of his forwards have. He's running the ball as a halfback more than his forwards are. He's just running all the time. So a lot of people were worried that change of position being half rather than fullback. You know, he wasn't going to be able to run as much. No, he's running a lot, and that's why he's getting such good base and base attack because he's running the ball just as much as ever, and it's his show over in Cronulla. So get Nico Hines in for this week, massive buy. Others of interest in this one, there's a few different ones. Let's keep with the Sharkies theme first, a guy that's gone under the radar that we haven't spoken about, and I like to make sure if we don't speak about a player that we manage to get him in, uh, and that's young Braley at the Sharkies. Now, Jaden Braley set the Supercoach world on fire early on last season. It was a really good early round buy. Blake Braley, his brother, is actually doing really well this year. Averaging 70 points a game, he's done that with a 73, 71 and 65. So incredibly consistent. There's one try in those three games and he's obviously getting assists as well though. 47 raw base is pretty solid. Uh, And he's an 80 minute hooker. So at the moment, you can get Braley in for fairly cheap at around 480k. Billy, it's hard because I think everybody has basically said I'm going to prioritise Grant in. Grant's the number one hooker. Grant's the guy that I want. But when you're a team that maybe, I guess, can't afford Grant for whatever reason, like this week, I don't think anyone would be able to swing it so you get Nicholas Hines and Grant. If you really need a hooker, and some people do, you know, someone like Braley has actually been low-key going very well. He's already made 54000 but he's still only 480000 and he's only in 5.9% of teams. And like I said, with, with Hines, he's got a pretty good run of games. If you're having to play like a Randall or something each week and you can't afford to get Grant in, you know, do you buy the bullet and say, look, I've got to get Hines in, I'm going to get Braley in, and I'm just going to roll with Braley because I can't afford Grant at the moment and I'm not going to in the near future? Nah, no, I wouldn't. I'd just do it for one more week. Um, I would put it this way. Do you want to have, over the next five rounds, a score of Randall one week and Grant for four weeks and average that out? Or do you want to have five weeks of young, young, young sort of young sort of Braley? I reckon the uh, the Grant Randall one week anomaly will outscore that, and you end up getting your keeper as opposed to a two two trade attack. Yeah, that's a fair call, um, and, and I've I've said that to a couple of people already. I would actually just wait and try and target Grant in as a priority in a couple of weeks' time. 
Um, so I agree. Braley deserves a shout out though. I've got him in my draft team, got him really late. I think second last round or something. Been an absolute godsend, scoring close to 70 points a game. Um, he's been really good this year, young Braley. Another guy that's gone under the radar a little bit is Tyson Frizzell. Now, he's just gone up 22000 on his first price rise, so he's now 594000 But he's averaging 71 points a game, and he's in just under 5% of teams. He has been remarkably good for a pod, and a few people have been bringing him up around the traps, but no one's really been... A lot of people haven't been that brave to sort of get him in. I've been one of those people. I kind of thought at his price point, you know, if he was closer to 500, I would have been happier with it. I, I tra- chose a Yo last week instead of him just because of that price difference of 60-odd thousand. But actually becoming a bit more of a buy because the second row forward stocks at the moment, Billy, are shattered. We've got Angus on the bench. We've got Fafita not doing enough to substantiate his price point. And a lot of people are looking around. Kikia was a big buy for a couple of weeks and he's gone back in the doldrums scoring a 30s. Really consistent from Frizzell, 77, 80, and 55. And he's playing his old club in the Sharkies this week. Is it a you know a 70-odd Frizzell that we're going to see for the rest of the year with a 54 base? Or do you think it's fool's gold at you know almost 600,000? I think it's fool's gold. He did exactly the same thing last year. He started the year with 78, 66, and 81. Then he dropped off to 52, 42. That's, and that was with last year's modified rules. Um, look, last year he did average 72 over the first sort of 10 rounds. Like he did that with, he did have a ton in there. Then there at 58, 72, 88, 73. So he's doing exactly the same thing that he did last year. It's just the second half of the year that he sort of uh, dropped off and his numbers really sort of came down. So look, I don't think he's a bad buyer. I think you're going to get what you pay for, probably probably a little bit more. I think early in the season he's going to be, he's going to be that guy that, that steps up a bit. Um, I'd maybe just hold him and sort of ride the wave if you think he's going to do do well enough for you. But just be prepared for maybe sort of you know, maybe a ten point increase on what you're actually paying for at the most. Don't expect the world. Just 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 prepare yourself for a solid guy that's probably going to maybe increase in price a hundred grand. That's about it. Yeah, I think if you don't have him, he's going to revert from like a seventy-one average to about sixty-five, and I think that'll be it. And I think it'll be a decent season, but you're going to be overpaying a little bit right now, um, and. Yeah, I could see him going well this week. If you own him, it's great. You'd hold him. But if you're looking for second-row forward stocks, I think that you're better off investing close to 600000 elsewhere. But deserves a shout-out for Zell because he has started the season well. Captain and vice-captain in this Sharks vs. Knights matchup. We've already spoken a lot about Hines. We're not going to go through the numbers again, but he's coming off back-to-back tons. Can he do three tons in a row, Billy? Like, is he good enough just to throw the C on this week or do you go the safety in the VC? Oh, straight, straight on him, um, purely because of that base that he's got. I um I had him straight out to see last week, and I changed at the last minute because of the rain. I was fearful, fearful even getting getting bowled down on that. But I think he just showed that rain, hail, or shine, even freaking hurricane, that guy will just score points. So, um, yeah, look, I straight out to see see on him is a brilliant option. Personally, I'm going somewhere else purely because I, I prefer the, a dry track and maybe a higher ceiling, but. Absolutely no fear of straight C with him. Yeah, I like the straight C with him as well. Um, I'll, I'll probably end up going the VC, though, just to keep my options open for later on. There was a lot of loopers on the weekend that got really lucky with um, the first game VC on him. So I'd probably be going that again, considering it's the second game. Uh, top sport better the week for this one. Look, I really like how the Sharkies are going at the moment. Uh, $1.48 at the moment you get the Sharkies for. Um, it is going to be at Cronulla. Um, Newcastle does have Ponga back, which is going to be big. The Sharkies are playing Talakai in the centres. We didn't really go through the team changes at the front, but you know, big in for Newcastle with Ponga. 
I'm still going to go for the Sharkies just for the win there. Getting close to a dollar fifty at short odds, but I think it's a good bet. Uh, let's move along. Penrith versus Souths. This one we don't have any big trade outs that are happening on the top ten, but we do have a couple of big trade ins at the moment. One of them being Cam Murray. So Cam Murray top scored for the round, hundred and twenty nine points. He absolutely blitzed the Roosters last round, uh, and. He's subsequently gone up 47000 in price. So he's now almost $662,000, but he's only in 10.6% of teams, Billy. So he's almost in pod territory. A lot of people are training him in this week. We spoke about it before that, um, you know, second row has been a little bit difficult because people have been searching for replacements for fallen guns and stuff, and there hasn't really been a lot there. Murray seems to be the shining light. Like, he looked phenomenal on the weekend. He was involved in everything. Played 77 minutes, um, and the week before he played 72 minutes for 76 points. So I think that you can comfortably say that that round one game against Brisbane and coming off the bench and stuff yeah, was a bit of an anomaly. I think he wasn't quite healthy. He, he looks completely fit now. It looks like he's going to be playing 70-plus minutes. So he looks like he's a really good buy at 660-odd thousand. I don't think I could talk anyone out of it with how he's scoring at the moment, and certainly this game against Penrith isn't ideal, but... He's got a break even of next to nothing, so he's going to go up another 50k minimum this week, probably. Yeah, I tried to talk myself into getting him as well. I tried to justify it. Went and looked at his numbers last year. He did play big minutes last year as well. He kind of fluctuated a bit, though. He was up and down in minutes. Um, he also had a couple of bigger scores like this last year as well, but he also had a lot of 53s and 63s. So I'm putting it down to him peaking early and sort of staying away. Um, if you have him, good luck. Well, you've, you've done well. The only sort of fear factor is, um, uh, you know, after this week he hits that sort of same run as Walker's, but kind of hoping that they get a lot more outside back movement and they don't need him as much. There's not enough gig work in, in, in the middle and there's a lot more sort of Cody and sort of outside back sort of scoring as opposed to him. So given his history with, um, you know, not playing 80 and, um, not scoring 90 plus every week. I don't think it's going to hurt you not owning him. I think there's value there, but I don't think there's enough not to hurt. So I'm going to use that coin elsewhere. It's just a personal decision. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, there's a couple of key points I'm going to make on Cam Murray that I'm quite impressed with, uh, or I think are quite positive, I should say. One of them is last two weeks, he's had two hard games and he's played 72 and 77 minutes against the Storm and the, the Roosters. Penrith this week. So, you know, it looks like that he'll probably play 72-odd minutes again this week against the Panthers. So that's big minutes for him. He only averaged 62 minutes a game last year. As you said, it fluctuated a fair bit. It is a new coach as well. So I am really interested to see whether the coach's approach is one that I think a lot of super coaches have wanted for Cam Murray for a number of years now, and that's been play him and play him until he can't walk anymore. <laughs> you know, He could probably play 80 minutes there at 13. You know, why not do it? Because he's so good. That's what a lot of people have said in the past. And obviously Bennett was a lot more conservative than that. But maybe Demetrio's going to keep him at 70 minutes plus a game, which is where he's averaging at the moment, which includes a lower minute game at the start of the year too. So if he's playing 70 plus minutes, um, as a training for this week against Penrith, it looks like he will play big minutes. And there's a lot of Angus Crichton owners, for instance, that are looking to get out of that. You can get out of it for, you know, 60000 at the moment. Um, and that seems pretty good considering everything. And after this week that they've got a really good run. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm actually I'm actually really warm to the idea of Murray being good trading this week despite the bad matchup with Penrith. Yeah, I think even if you don't earn him, I'd be pretty excited with what Cook can probably do now because 
if uh, if, Murray, if Murray goes well, generally Cook does as well, and vice versa. Like you look at the years prior with them together, when when they're both on song, mate, they they just split that middle uh, with these. So I, th I think they're both sort of undervalued at the moment. But can you get one or the other or both? <laughs> you can't have everyone. Yeah, I, I think the thing that kills Cook is I really like how he's been going, 75 points on the weekend. But, you know, obviously we've spoken a lot about Grant being the number one hooker and that's who you should aim for. Murray's different. Murray could very well be the number one forward this year in the second row spot. So um, the way he's playing and he's got all the potential in the minutes, maybe he is and you get him at a discount right now. Um, Taylor May is the other guy in this Panthers versus South matchup that's getting traded in like crazy. Number one traded in player. Scored three tries, 106 points, um, 23 raw base in his debut game for the year, which is great. He's only ever played one of the first grade game. Passes the eye test and at 252,000 and a 50-odd break even at the moment, but that's going to change quite a bit the next game. Um, you know, I, I understand why everyone's jumping on. I know that you mentioned at the start, just get on him. I'm actually the opposite. I actually think that it's getting a little bit too much um, jumping on heavy for a guy that's only played one game. I'm going to say why I think that, and then you can tell me why I should buy him. But for me, um, playing at Souths, I think it's a, it's not an easy matchup. Um, so I would actually be sitting him this week if I bought him. So that basically says to me, you know, you should look at your centre wing as far as I'm concerned. If you're not going to play Taylor May or you don't need to play Taylor May this week, then I guess, you know, why are you buying him for? Uh, because... You may as well just get him next week because you're not even playing him this week. He's not going to change in price. And then if he catches COVID on the weekend celebrating a South win or, you know, he gets a broken leg or something, you know, you, you're kind of out of that and you don't have that guy sitting there like dead wood um, for the following week. So I'm very much always of the opinion you don't buy a guy that's a rookie unless you need to play them um, or, or they're going to change in cash. I guess the only caveat there is maybe you need to free up cash like you said, which I get. I just sort of think with the amount of people that are trading him in at the moment, I'm getting the sense that a lot of those people are just getting him in just because he scored so well on the weekend and they think he's a must-have, but they could just be waiting a week, which is a safer play. Yeah, generally I'd agree with all that. Um, the reason why I'm getting him and not wasting any time is because, you know, you've been watching Targo play, right? Uh, how can you not? It's, it's going to be the rookie of the year for Supercoach, probably going to make the most money. <laughs> So, so you love his hit-ups and his tackle busts and his offloads and his line breaks and his work rate. His hit-ups. Love it all. Taylor May has exact same stats as him and Reggie's. They both they both lead the league. That's the reason I bought him. I wanted him from round one because both both of these are, are Brian Tuo um, um, mold players. So the reason I'm getting him this week is not because I want to you know clear up cash for next week. It's only because I couldn't get him last week round one because uh, uh, I got Yeo and his break even was low. I didn't want to miss the cash rise. And um, I got Hines last week and Munster. I wanted points last week with those guys. So the only reason I didn't get him last week is because I opted for those three guns instead. But now that I have, have traded up my sleeve, not waiting until next week. He's, uh, I know exactly what you're saying and I agree with it. The reason why I'm getting him though is because he has points in him. I would play him this week. I rate him that highly. I mean, that changes it a little bit. Um, so I understand why you're doing it because you're definitely going to play him this week. If, you're, if your coach is not going to play him this week, then oh, just wait until the week after. There's not really any reason to be doing it. Uh, and I'm not going to play him this week. I've already got my center wing pretty set for this week. So I'm going to wait until the week after. Next week, he's going to be a must-have. You're going to have to buy him if he's named and not injured. 
Um, but for this week, I think you can hold off and probably more coaches should hold off unless, you know, the circumstances that me and Billy just spoke about. Really good debut, though. Going to be a huge cash cow at the moment for us for this season. Uh, Cleary is another one of interest. Now, it's not top 10 most traded in or anything, but there's a mountain of questions. And I'm seeing a huge amount of tags for the All-Stars podcast with guys asking, you know, should I, there's been a number of these ones. Should I trade Teddy to get Cleary in? Um, and but generally, like a lot of people, really were trying to get Cleary in straight away. I feel like um, I really need you on this one, Billy, because I'm seeing it so much and I'm questioning myself. But like I'm looking at it, going, I've got zero interest in Cleary this week. It's it's a game against South, and South actually looked really good against us last week, which was unfortunate. They looked not like South round one and two; like they looked a lot better. Um, Cleary has had a major shoulder surgery in the off-season, major shoulder surgery. Uh, this is his first game since last season. <laughs> He's 950000 Like There is that many different red flags with it. People are pulling their teams apart to spend 950000 And we've already seen every back, every single one of them is overpriced for the 2022 season because there's so such a limited amount of attack to go around compared to last year. So everyone's overpriced. And that includes Cleary. His shoulders he could be in real bad shape after this game. Like he, he might re-injure it. He could be sitting out to rest it again for a couple of weeks after this week. There's that many different factors, mate. Like I, I just, I don't know why people are looking so hard at a South Sydney matchup first game back of the season coming off a shoulder reconstruction. I've got no interest in Cleary at the moment at all. Couple of weeks time, sure. Let's have a look at it. Yeah, I agree. I've got no interest in, any, in him at all, particularly this week. Um, especially at the price. The one pro is, look, he's probably going to be a complete pod. So if someone wants to take the punt or is a massive, massive Panthers fan and just wants to slap the C on straight away or just get, get him into the team and playing, yeah, I've got no dramas with that. Like You don't win this by following the crowd. So it's a pod move is one. Secondly, he has soft three games coming up after this week. So if you're going to buy him next week, you're obviously not going to wait for the, the, um, the, the price drop over. So you get... You're going to be getting him next week anyway. Uh, then he's got then he's got some the difficult games after that. So if you're going to buy him, you're not worried about the price drop. On the flip side of that, I don't see how anyone can actually get him anyway. You would actually have to, to significantly miss out on someone. So correct me if I'm wrong. But every man his dog is going to have a combination of, of Happy and Teddy or something like that at the back, right? Happy and oh, um, Gutho, Happy and whatever, okay? It, at seven, Schneider, what's his name, has, has a break-even of what, minus whatever. The gut, he's going really well. Surely everyone's going to have him or want to have him. And then you've got Hines there. So who are you actually going to drop to get him in? I just don't see where he actually fits in. Well, that's the other problem. But, I mean, with the Teddy example that I gave you, you know, there's, there's people that are saying, I'll sell Teddy. Uh, I'll move Hines to fullback. Right. So you want to play, and and I'll use that money to to get Nathan Cleary. Um, and okay. that's that's I, one that's way around. The logic and sell on a fullback that's coming up against the Tigers, the Dogs, the Kiwis, the Broncos, the Cowboys. I just don't see the logic in it. But it's not my team. Do what you want to do, guys and girls. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a full blown Teddy discussion shortly. But um, look, I. I think the advice is clear from us guys. As far as the All-Stars podcast is concerned, me and Billy would not be going near Nathan Cleary this week. There's a lot of different reasons. There's pretty much a dozen reasons not to do it. And I can't really see anything other than the fact that he's going to be a pod and he's probably the best halfback in the game still to go for it straight up. You know, it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
when you're talking about guys that, that can be sold to Cleary, you know, one of the other ones is a lot of people are getting worried about young. Uh, Ilias at Souths. Now, you know, I thought Ilias has looked better in real life lately. He scored 31 on the weekend. You know, that's nothing to, to crow about, but he's still got a break even in the teens. It's not like he's not going to gradually keep making money. And they've got that great draw that we already spoke about. So I'd be holding solid with him because in, in this draw, like you're not going to have a halfback that he's not going to get any clutch attack. He's not going to go through the season and not get it. And and the run's coming. So you'd want to hold him as well. I I know I know we spoke about Nathan Cleary just before, but a lot of people are jumping off Elias to get other guys in. Um, and, I, you know, I really wouldn't be doing that either. I think that people are just a bit disenchanted with his slow start, but you kind of need to hold, hold steady with these guys because he's going to have a run and he's going to get some clutch attack. Just bench him, don't play him. Play Nico Hines as your starter and away you go. Yeah, and put put it in perspective. So round one, they, they got a bit of a touch-up by Broncos, new halving partner. Cody was basically hogging it. It was all, all over the field. He hardly touched the ball, all right? So played Storm round two. Mate, Storm had the best defense against basically every position, um, every every opposing position in the comp. So you, unless you got like Turbo or T, you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna drop them. But odd, odds are he wasn't gonna score well round two anyway. So here we go. Come round three, he's got a couple of games under his belt, not playing exactly the top one or two teams in the competition. And what happened? Gave it a bit, of, gave it a bit of a shake. Put thirty in base, no attack yet. Give the guy a chance. Yeah, I think you got to give him a chance too. He's in such a good spot to get some points in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, you, you need to just leave him there and just forget about him. He'll just make money himself. Uh, look, Billy, for this one, Penrith Souths, I don't think there's really any way you could look at a vice-captain or captain in this one. I think it's probably one of the bigger matchups of the round. No, unless you're one of those people that bought Cleary in, you know, in VCM. Top spot better of the week. Panthers is $1.39, but the line's minus 7.5. I reckon we Cleary back. I'm going to back that minus seven and a half at a dollar ninety, and that's my one for this week for Penrith and Souths. Oh, I don't know, mate. The, um, I was looking at the, the Souths with the, the line against Storm the other day, and they sort of they just stuck with them. I, I just wouldn't want to take a line on that bet on on that game. I'd probably go uh, any time try score. I'd stick stick to those sort of um, new kids and like your, your target first try score or your left wing to have made have it any time. Yeah, that's a fair enough call, I reckon, mate, as well. You could go for one of those ones. Those young kids are going really well for the Panthers, that's for sure. Moving along, Warriors-Broncos is the next one. There isn't a huge amount of super coach relevant changes other than Sean Johnson is on the extended bench. Um, I know for my draft team, I'm screaming out for him to get named because I got him in draft. But for the Broncos, Jordan Rickey is out and Tom Flegler is back. So, I mean, um, for... For middle rotations, I think Flegler being back does make quite a big difference off the bench too. So that is something to keep in mind. But for these two teams, you know, we do have this game. We've got two Broncos in the most traded out players of the week so far. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a hot tip. It's not gonna change. Both these guys before lockout just ends and the first game starts are gonna be the most traded out players right up there with with the biggest ones. And that is Stags and Cobo. Obviously, there's no sugarcoating it. Both have been disappointing. Uh, Katoni Stags has just dropped 35,000. Uh, Cobo started at 320. People were hoping to make money, and he's gone all Charlie Staines on us, and, and he's dropped 13,000 rather than made any money. So both of those guys are getting traded out a lot. Let's talk about Stags first of all. Now, I'm someone who was not on Stags in the preseason. 433,000, it was a fine gamble to go for, but I was worried 
about these games being in him. I was worried about him being at centre and not kicking goals and Adam Reynolds being there. And the Broncos is not being very good. Now, they got trounced on the weekend and the Cowboys absolutely blitzed them. It's not good reading when you're doing it. He's now worth under 400000 but he's got 36, 32, and 23. His base is 20, and that's always been a problem. So all the things that we were worried about with Katoni Staggs are all there in the first three games. And by the way, two out of the three of those games were against the Bulldogs and the Cowboys, which we thought were easier matchups. So uh, New Zealand Warriors this week, it's not going to be a cakewalk for him, but it's an easier side for him. But then they've got the Roosters and the Panthers back-to-back. I fully get why people are selling. Um, I think that you can just put it down to a mistake. But he's a volatile centre wing, Billy. He'll probably come good at some point in the next month or so. So the counter-argument, which I'll say is the Wilfred argument, shout-out to Wilfred on the Champions podcast because he's a Katoni Stag supporter and he does make the point that, you know, Stags has been close to a lot of clutch attack stats the first three rounds. It would have changed the narrative on him. I don't agree, so I'm on the opposite side of the fence. But, you know, the Wilford positive outlook is that, you know, he's going to have the clutch coming because it's been there. Do you just hold him because you started with him at a cheap price, Billy, and just ride it out for these games coming up, hoping he's going to get the clutch eventually, which he will? Or do you cut bait and say, you know what, he's still worth 400000 I can do a lot with that. I'm just going to jump jump off ship now. No, I'm with Wilfred. Um, I'd hold him third this week. Uh, I didn't. I didn't buy him to start the year because I'm, I'm. I'm with you. I just don't like his base. I know he's got tackle busting ability, but he really needs to put in the games week in week out. And he was when he's in form, he averages sixty a week. Um, I, I can't speak for Wilfred, but I'm. I'm, I'm going to assume that he want, probably wanted him for that draw and his potential sixty average for week when he was priced, you know, a certain chunk under that. Personally, I just didn't see the massive upside, which is the reason why I didn't get him. But this week. Um, I wouldn't be selling him this week. I would 100% hold him this week. If you go and have a look, and, and Cobbo more particularly, if you go and have a look at the the right wing versus the Warriors the last three weeks, I think you'll find that Ravalara scored 119, Marzu 102, and Nofo 39. Now, that's not exactly like a, a Brett Morris or you know a Ruben Garrick or a Valentine Holmes. Those are guys that do not generally score well against opposition scoring tons. So I think a bloke like Cobo, who hasn't scored all year, possibly turns around this week. Um, if Stags is going to score at all, ever, it's going to be this week. Um, so I would hold him for this week. And then even if he does punch a ton, i probably sell next week. <laughs> um, I'm playing Cobo this week for that reason. I would, I really want to have one, one last crack at it based off those numbers. Well, here's the thing, right? Like this week is a good matchup, but you're not. No, I don't think anyone's going to really want them for round five and six against the Roosters and Panthers. I don't think you're going to want to play them for those. So, oh hell no, hell no, nah. So I mean, if you don't sell him, if you don't sell them this week, you're basically going to sacrifice potential money. Um, you know, they both got B's in the fifties, so it's not the biggest thing in the world if you decide just to hold them for this week. So I agree, like they could be a play this week. My problem with it is that you're then hamstrung next week on needing to get out two centre wings with your two trades. You know, you, you're going to need to trade out Cobo and you're going to need to trade out Stags. And if they stink it up, you're going to have to get them out. If they don't stink it up, yeah. you're going to be holding them rather than upgrading them and having to play them against the Roosters. So I kind of feel like that you're going to get stuck. Like, look, I'm, I'm looking at a, a centre wing upgrade this week, right? And that's just because my centre wing is a little bit weak, which everyone's is. That's the place that I think that you can improve to get it on top of the pack. I want to upgrade a centre wing spot. So I've got three good playable centre wings and I'm only choosing one shit one every week, which is going to happen. Now, if I can do that with Stags right now, because he's 400K, 
I feel like that I'm getting rid of a trade that I would have been able to make next week, but it might stop me from making other moves that I'll need. So I agree with you in the sense that they're, they're, they're both good plays for this week. If I was going to hold them, I'd, I'd just play them and hope for the best against the Warriors. But I'm kind of with the masses. I understand why everyone's jumping off. And if you're not doing it this week, you're going to be jumping off next week, I reckon, on both of them. I know exactly what you're saying. If I had to choose one of them to sell to get the points this week, I'd pro- I would 100% um, sell stags and get in a bloke like, you know, Munster, who's playing the dogs in Melbourne on a dry track and just get those points early. So even if stags did go well this week, odds are that Munster's going to get better. So I, I would I would make the upward trade to someone like, someone like that and then downgrade someone else for kind of um, May this week. I probably wouldn't use the third trade to get rid of Cobo, given that you know he's already priced around sort of 300. You're not going to get much coin out of him. I would use him as my fourth sort of, you know, benchy sort of this week. But if you were desperate for an extra bit of coin, then, yeah, you'd cut him. But my whole point here is if you had to choose between selling or not selling or, or keeping someone, I, I would get rid of, like, yeah, you're a moan this week and and, and keep your cobble for one last run. That's all I'm getting there. Okay. Interesting one from last round. Uh, Patrick Carrigan scored 71 against the Cowboys. Uh, and I will say that there's no one in this warriors Broncos side that's in the top 10 race trained in at the moment, and nor should there really be. But Carrigan is interesting because he did 71 points and he did it in 69 minutes, which was high. Uh, got a lot of people's attention. The last, the first three rounds of the season, he's actually gone 58, 53, and 59 in raw base. Now, he doesn't have much outside of raw base, but that's still a 57 raw base, which is pretty appealing for someone who's under 500,000. Um, it's, it's right up there with the best raw base. I, I got my attention that he scored that 71, got my attention that he played 69 minutes and the forward stocks for the Broncos are actually pretty low this week, except the big issue is that Flegler has just come in. So Flegler's on the bench now. I dare say that that's going to hurt um, the bigger minutes that, that Carrigan's got in the last two weeks. He's averaged about 65 minutes, rounds two to three. Uh, I think that's going to probably... Um, put a stamp on him as not being an option. But a few people have brought up Carrigan, and, and rightly so, Billy. You know, his raw base has been pretty impressive. He's been to the detriment of the attacking players outside him at times, which has been, you know, lamented in the Supercoach world, that he's not passing the ball and stuff and that he's taking these hit-ups. But for Supercoach, you know, it's done great for his work rate. Flegler comeback probably kills him. But if he keeps going on like this... Oh, I love Carrigan. Um, yeah. Last year, the year before I got him, um, he just seemed to be that solid guy in the middle getting decent minutes and throwing the ball around. Like he always threw a dummy or threw a short ball and just didn't seem to get through. But the, the, the potential, he kind of reminds me of a Jerbo back in the, back in his actual ball playing days before he just sort of became a, a real bit sort of defensive guy. I kind of think he would be more, a lot more valuable if for some reason he moved into the front row rotation and all of a sudden got that dual capability so you could play a ball playing lock in that front row. He would be kind of like your 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 cheaper version of uh, you know um, Isaiah Papali or you know in the same sort of mold or same slash similar mold as your your Jai Arrow, but it's kind of hard to see his extra value in the second row. I think he's just for his price, he's just a solid ball player, but not one you would be wanting to sort of get into the price. I would think. Like. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, it's it's probably just too hard with Flegler coming into the rotation and a few things, but um, he's he's piqued a bit of interest here and there with questions, which uh, probably rightly so. I guess his Warriors side, you know, the, the Warriors haven't been overly impressive. I thought their pack should probably be better than what it has been at times. So, you know, it's, it's not a bad matchup for Brisbane this week, um, but 
when we're talking about players that concern Billy in this matchup out of the Warriors Broncos, there's one name for me, and that is Fanuel Blake. You know, it's he's he's at 500k. He's actually dropped money. People thought at his starting price he was going to be value. He's averaged 51 a game, which isn't the end of the world, but he's coming off a 41 point game against the Tigers, and he's played 60 minutes against the Tigers as well. So, I mean, round one, he played 62 minutes and he only got 51 points. I think that most people, like if you said to people pre-season that were keen on Fanua Blake, he was going to play 58 minutes this year, which is what he's averaging at the moment, they'd be ecstatic and they'd be like, oh, he's definitely getting 60s for sure. And you kind of have high hopes that maybe you get to that 65, 66 type of average you had in 2019. Now, against the Dragons, the Titans and the Tigers, of which he's had like two, maybe three line breaks in that run too, um, he's only managed to average 51 points a game. So that is horrendous for the minutes and it's horrendous for the matchups as well. And his offload has completely deserted him too. So look, Broncos and Cowboys in the next two weeks, he does have a BE in the 50s. I'm inclined to say though that I think that he might have a, a better game this week against the Broncos. I think that he might match up well with their pack. Um, but, you know, Fanua Blake owners are going to be pretty worried. Would you hold him for this one last hurrah? and just try and hope that the, the Broncos match up this week spurs him on? Or would you be like trying to cut bait immediately on Fanua Blake and just say he's not going to come good? Oh, I've been suggesting everyone own him to cut him. Um, the guy's been looking to offload sort of Cobbo, um, but I've kind of suggested get rid of AFB. Um, the only saving grace for him, and uh, I mean that the only saving grace for him would be the... the uh, the Warriors tend to have a decent sort of record uh, against the Broncos. And this one is in Queensland. I think it's at the is it Redcliffe or Dolphins or someone's sort of home ground. It's not, it's not a, it's not a uh, Suncorp, but, but it, it is in Queensland and hopefully should be on a dry track or it's a bit wet at the moment. But um, I just don't see any massive upside apart from, you know, maybe all the Warriors fans turn up and all of a sudden it's an upset again. Yeah, it's at Redcliffe. So it is a pretty good matchup for him, I think. I would hold him for this week. He's got, you know, a break even around his average, so he's not really going to bleed cash. And I, I just think that he might actually have a good game this week against the Broncos myself. Uh, let's move along. Vice-captaincy, captaincy options. A lot of people have liked the safe captaincy of a Haas. I think mainly because in the start of the year, we kind of saw points down and everyone panicked a little bit. But last round, we sort of saw points up. He's gotten 67 last weekend, 67 and 91 the two weeks before. I think his two 67s back-to-back has kind of put him off as a uh, as a captaincy option. Um, and his minutes have actually gone down too. So 71 minutes round one, 60 and 58 the last two weeks. I'm going to say no, but I know a few people are kind of looking at it going, well... Yeah, uh, I'm going to counter that with he was on 30, 33 points last week with like eight minutes to go or 10 minutes to go or something or other. And then he had a hit up with three tackle busts and a line break, 18 points in 10 seconds. So totally it, saved him with that run, yeah. Yeah, so 33 points to what, <laughs> 51 with with seven minutes to go, then managed to have, you know, three or four hit ups, five, six tackles and got into his uh, 67. So uh, heart and mouth kind of stuff. Um, I wouldn't be chucking the sea on him, but... I think he still is Mr. Dependable. He's going to get those sort of runs, but I don't want to be waiting until the last minute for him, that's for sure, mate. Yeah, I think he's he's kind of the last couple of weeks put put me off him being a safe sort of C option. Um, interesting stat to finish up on this one. Peyton Haas only has one 
raw base point more on average than what Carrigan does for this season so far. So everyone goes on about the raw base of uh, Big Payne Haas, but Big Carrigan is only a point behind him on the raw base stats at 57 versus 58. So that's quite interesting. But, you know, we digress. We need to talk about the top sport better of the week. And this is a time where I don't like betting on this game. So I'm just going to tell you all about top sport. I do need to let you know about our fantastic sponsor of the All-Stars podcast, Top Sport. They are a 100% Australian-owned who have top service and also often top odds in market. If you can't tell by a lot of the NRL bets that I put out there, you know, they've got some great ones that you can jump on, but they also have great ones on other sports and also specialise in racing as well. So if you haven't been on Top Sport before, topsport.com.au, get on it or download the app and use the promo code SCALLSTARS. SC All-Stars, all one word, and they'll know that you came from this podcast and take really good care of you. But obviously, if you're going to have a gamble, guys, do it responsibly. But if you do like to have a punt and you do like to have the best odds in market and you do like great customer service and an Australian-owned company, support Topsport, topsport.com.au. Moving along, Manly versus Raiders, Billy. This one is two teams that you really... There's probably half a league you don't know what to make out of, and certainly Manly and the Raiders fit those categories. Manly's unchanged. Um, the Raiders have got Nick Cottridge back, which is going to be good for them, I think. But other than that, you know, pretty straightforward. When we're looking at the the big outs on Market Watch, you know, the biggest out of them all is once again Tommy Turbo. So people held on for that Bulldogs game and didn't like what they saw. And then have obviously just gone, nah, I'm going to jump off now. So Turbo had a massive 173,000 price drop. He's now a million and 82,000. He did score 66 points on the weekend. Uh, I thought he looked a little bit better, Billy. He's now down to only 12% ownership. So he's almost pod territory at the moment, which is pretty big. Uh, I'm in two minds about selling him this week. Like he's got a massive break even at the moment. And the 12% of teams will probably be thinking about the fact that 240 is just going to bleed cash now. But at the same time, you know, you kind of held him for 173K price drop. So I sort of think that your decision really should have been the week before this this last round on whether you're going to get off him or whether you're going to stay on him for the long haul. Um, so, I mean, what do you think at this point? If you don't own a high end, you jump off now. Um, otherwise, if you take the extra sort of 50 grand sort of, 50 grand to 100 grand sort of hit and hopefully sort of bounce, you know, or hope he bounces back and you don't, and you don't take a hit because if you haven't sold him by now, you've taken a significant hit and you need to get that back. And the only way to get that back is by having an awesome captain or awesome pod points and a captain. So I, I'd, I'd be keeping him captain him this week. I think you just need to if you've taken the hit already. Yeah, and he's playing at home. And I think people need to remember too that he... Yeah, and Canberra had 22 put on him in the first half. Like it was 22 nil the first half against the Titans. Like Manly could easily do something like that against them if they play like that in the first half. And if that happens, then Turbo is going to be probably right in the middle of that. Like Manly haven't scored points, but against the Raiders at home, they could do that. So, yeah, I, I sort of agree with Billy. You've kind of decided a week ago whether you're going to hold him or you know, cash him out. And you've just dropped almost 200K. I reckon I'd probably ride him now, but if you don't have a Heinz, yeah, there's a there's a decent argument to parachute out. I'm just I'm looking ahead though, Billy, and saying you know Canberra could be a decent matchup for him. He plays away at Newcastle and then he hits the Gold Coast Titans. One of those three games he's going to turn up, and he's going to turn up at possibly sub ten percent ownership. So yeah, it's a tough call. He's had one try assist and one try, averaging fifty five behind a pack that was dropping the ball 
in the heavy wet versus the Panthers. Tough, tough start to the year. Yeah, he's dropping a crap load of cash, but if a guy can average 55 with all those things against him and all of a sudden comes to a soft team and a dry track, he's going to double that, surely. Yeah, and look, I think me and Billy would have different different views on it if you know we hadn't had price changes already. You know, and certainly before last round, I was a proponent of selling Turbo, but I was also a proponent of if you didn't sell him, then you're deciding to hold him for a while because you're going to take a big hit. So yeah, I, I'm not going to. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't completely discourage anyone from selling him, but it's just not a great situation to be in where you take the hit and then sell him anyway um, because he's going to have some good games coming up as well, and he's he's pretty good ownership. Ethan Bullimore, quite a. You know, quite a rise to round one to being a starting edge and scoring 62 points and everyone being elated. And then uh, quite a low of 12 points in the 14 jersey against the Bulldogs on the weekend and only getting 25 minutes. He's 284000 He's hardly gone up at all, just a few thousand dollars. And he's got a BE in the 50s, which he looks like he's not going to hit at all. So, I mean, Billy, everyone's jumping off Bullimore. I think at his price point and his role, the thing that I think people forget sometimes with people that might hold someone like Bullimore is that these guys aren't priced low enough not to really hurt you in how much cash that they bleed. He Bullimore at his price point could bleed $100,000 and he could do that pretty quickly in the next few weeks if you hold him. So I think personally he's one that should be in the top 10 most traded out. You need to just cut your losses and just say Ethan Bullimore was a mistake. Uh, I need to get rid of him this week that he's benched again against the Raiders and probably going to get 25 minutes. Yeah. If you can't upgrade him, though, who would you downgrade him to? You use me as an example. So um, I've made my two trades this week by getting rid of a couple of guys that I don't need anymore. Um, what would, you, would you burn a third trade in order to get rid of him to, I don't know, just going to throw a name out there, burn him to King? So if, if he's going to lose, what, 20, 30 grand this week and King's going to make, what, 50 grand this week by just scoring... Uh, 40 points in game in 40 minutes. Would you do that for a couple of week boost or? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if King's the right one. Look, I think I think people have got a really good opportunity where, like I said before, that may may really I'd prefer to be waiting for. But if you needed a downgrade, you know, if you could go May down to somebody, oh, somebody down to May. Sorry. So I mean, yeah, Stags is a good example. Stags down to May. You're doing that early so you can free up cash. You know, that gets Bullimore up to someone that's maybe 500K, you know, and that's sort of how I would look at it. I sort of think it's enough house to to free up money. Yeah, that's the thing I'm struggling with. There's no one I want to upgrade to and there's no one I want to downgrade to. So unfortunately, he has to sit there and rot and just be happy with it. I've got a 60 in round one and set him to the other two. So I think he's just one. I don't think he's quite in the... uh, uh, what do you call it, Spencer Lineo category yet? <laughs> but I think he will be soon. <laughs> yeah, I think he will be soon. I mean, look, it's it's one of those things where I think how you, how you have to look at a bull or more this week against the Raiders is, you know, 20, 25 minutes off the bench against a pretty staunch Raiders pack isn't going to be much points. And I think how you need to look at him is, you know, you often are looking for ways to make seventy five to 100,000. A way to make seventy five to 100,000 is to trade Bullimore out this week because he's going to lose that in the next few weeks. So I kind of think that you're making money by not having him there. And I would even, if you haven't used a trade boost, like this might even be an opportunity to use it. Because I think at the moment, now that we've seen the first cash changes for this round's matchups, you can use that first trade boost to kind of write your team. And writing your team is 
protecting your investment by getting a bull and more out now before he starts bleeding cash. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, mate. Um, I would love to turn into Papa Lee, but I think he might sit there and rot a little bit until I can find some coin, like a lot of other people. Yep, a bit tough when it's like that, but um, it happens with a few players every year. Um, Snyder needs to be mentioned because of how well he's going. Now, he hasn't changed price yet for the Raiders. He's got a tough matchup against Manly. Um, the Raiders could actually really struggle this week, but he's coming off 79 points. And look, he's got like a minus 62 break even at the moment. He's going to go up uh, Mozza, and he already has the potential at the moment with a half that's goal-kicking plus a 34 raw base in his two games, averaging 62 points to be possibly the cheapest of the year, being the fact that he's only 188000 at price point. So he's going to make a couple hundred thousand dollars potentially in the next few weeks if he keeps going. Um, so if you don't own Schneider, he is this week's must trade in. You absolutely must get Schneider in. There's a lot of questions from people, Billy, saying, you know, I, I traded Schneider out to get in a um, Heinz. I made a mistake. Can I use a second trade to rectify it? Yes, I think you can um, because he's just got such a big negative break even and such a big opportunity to make cash this year. I think you almost got to burn that second trade to get him back for someone else to rectify it because he's going to make maybe $200,000. Uh, yeah, because he's you got to think he, he's not exactly the Heinz mob, but he, he's, he's making tackles. Like that first game, he had 28 tackles, two missed, and 16 points in goals. So he scored, he scored what, what 28, 30, he scored 45 points basically, just. 46, 47 points in tackles and goals alone. He had a couple of negatives. He had um, minus three for a KD, whatever that is. He had two errors, and he also had um, uh, he, no, he didn't have no miss for goal, but missed a crap load of goals, goals last, week, last week as well, and that was with his 76, oh, sorry, 79. So he's he's got some potential there. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be getting rid of him. I'd 100% be getting him, but I'm, I'm even, I'd even be playing him again this week. Yeah, whether he's a player or not, I was going to ask you then because he's he's obviously gone well. Forty five points against the Sharks. Well, it's either I, well, well, I've got to play him or Tuolagi or King or um, Blomore. Pretty sure I'll play the goalkeeping bloke that has a four forty five so far, which would be the ceiling of all the others, almost. Yeah, I think that he's a definite option in year seventeen at the end of year seventeen. Um, I'm not sure whether I will or not, but against Manly, I'm just not too sure. But he's definitely an option. If you don't own him, though, you need to be buying him and getting him in. A couple of other players of interest. Um, Starling was thrown on the bench on the weekend, uh, but he still ended up scoring 71 points. So, I mean, that was really impressive for him. He only played 55 minutes, though. Um, so he's 377,000. He's got a low BE. Um, I did toy with... Um, a couple of different trades that saw me upgrade a Randall to a Starling, but then I just didn't think it was worth it. Just with him benched last week, the 70 was a good score, but I thought that he looked really good. So he is someone that could go well, but it's just really hard to get him in. But he does play that first buy too, and now he's got a huge opportunity in front of him without Hodgson. So I'd like to buy him, Billy, but I can't. And we're just going to go through these ones quickly so the podcast isn't too long, but I want to shout out to Whiten as well. I don't think Whiten's a great super coach option, but I ended up buying him, as I said on the podcast. Top three, five, eight at the moment, averaging four points a game, Whiten, which is more than what I could have possibly hoped for. So shout out to Whiten, who is going to become Cody Walker as a straight swap in a couple of weeks, potentially. But one that we are going to focus on in this one, Billy, because I want to hear all about it from you. Players are concerned in this matchup. Ola Kuatu coming up against a tough Raiders pack. A lot of people got Ola Kuatu in. 
and he was exceptionally disappointing on the weekend. Obviously had the the worst score that he's had all season. He was one of the most popular second row tradings last week, and he ended up staying steady at his price point of 512, but threw up 35 points. So now his average has dropped all the way down to 54 across his first three games. Obviously started the season well. I was always concerned that he had 15 tackle breaks across his first two weeks, and that wasn't sustainable. Does have a good run of games coming up, though. So, I mean, people that didn't jump on Olaquatu, does the 35 last weekend scare you off? Or do you still think that Holy Moly is going to go on a bit of a run and he's an option at 512k? Yeah, he played in 66 minutes last week, but got a season point per minute of, what, uh, 0.75. So 16 minutes. So you've got to try an extra 10 points on that. So I assume he's going to get, you know, to the 40, 44 points, um, although that was against the Bulldogs. But so, um, <laughs> yeah, it's... Hard to make a bit of a story for him there. Like, if the, if the guy can put up fifty-one against Panthers and, and seventy-seven against the Storm, he certainly certainly got some some quality there. It's not the the worst. I just I'm not hundred percent keen on him. I do like his tackle bust. I do like his sort of work rate. He'll, he'll get in there and have, and have a run. But I think off the back of last week's score, he's, he's not a buy. But if you if, if you bought him last week, hundred percent you hold. Oh, yeah, you're going to be holding for sure. And look, he's got a good run of games coming, um, which is what you would have bought him for. So if you bought him, you should have been prepared for there to be some lower scores, uh, much like a Satili Tupanua, for example. You know, he's going to have these lower scores, but you, you've got him for these higher ones. So you've already invested in him. For the people that haven't bought him, he plays around 13. Um, and you should be watching keenly the next couple of weeks because he might end up being quite a good buy for a little bit less than what he is. Because the big thing with the price changes, guys, is that the round one score drops out straight away. That 35 from round three is going to hang around for you know a couple of weeks and affect his price point. Uh, captains advice captains for this one. If you've got turbo, dear Captain Turbo, I reckon I'm a big believer in that if you hold turbo for his price, you're probably captaining him just about every week. Yep. No argument there. I don't have anything else to say apart from <laughs> back to you, Captain. Just just do it. Just do it, Captain Turbo, if you own him. Oh, I'm actually scared of Turbo this week. I think he could do really well against the Raiders. I'm going to tip him for his first ton this week. I reckon he's going to go 100 plus. So that brings us to the top spot bit of the week. Uh, the line's minus six and a half. I'm going to pull it back to minus five and a half and take a dollar eighty four for the Manly Seagulls, which I think is really good value. The Cowboys versus the Roosters. Robbo has COVID, so he won't be coaching this week. Um, but as far as changes go, isn't too many. Uh, the Roosters um, are obviously going to be without Robertson, but Fletcher Baker is also staying in Sydney, so Saluka Fafita comes on the bench. The biggest super coach news, though, is that we do have Angus Crichton still on the bench, um, still have Nat Butcher starting on his edge spot. Uh, for the Cowboys, we've got uh, Cohen Hess, Likely out, it looks, um, but everything else is pretty much the same. So big matchup up in Townsville, mate. The Roosters aren't going to have their coach. Kiri and Angus are two of the biggest trade-outs this week out of anyone out of any team. Isn't surprising. It's a really good matchup, though. So it's a bit of a hard one. I would be trading Kiri out because I think that we've seen a lot of good options in the halves. And I do think that we've seen that Kiri coming back from his ACL is going to take a little bit longer, which was always going to be a risk. He's only scored uh, 19 points on the weekend, which is obviously the season low, but the Roosters were were really outgunned. Base of 15, 18 and 13, his first three rounds, though, high of 63. Very tough to hold him, but he only does have a BE of around 70. Uh, he's already dropped 20,000. 
there isn't, I'm going to say there is an argument that if you owned Kiri, you didn't own him for the first three rounds, you owned him for this round onwards of the Roosters draw. So unless you have to get a Heinz in or someone like that into your halves um, or, or a Munster potentially, if you don't need to get in one of those guys, I kind of feel like Kiri isn't the worst hold considering the Roosters draw that's coming, but totally get people trying to upgrade Kiri to a Heinz or, or a Munster. Uh, not many positions available have some key players and he's basically holding up a key slot. So uh, look, I think I think it's that point in the season now where you've got a couple of games under your belt. You, you, you've seen what people are and aren't producing, even though he's got a soft run coming up. He's going to have to hit that every week. And every week that he does or doesn't hit those scores, you're going to have someone else in, his, in playing that position scoring more. So even if he still scores 75 every week, you're going to have Hines scoring more, potentially Munster scoring more. So... I'd just get rid of him. Yeah, look, you need to prioritise Hines, especially at the moment. If you, if Kiri's in your halfback spot, you've got to get Hines in. Um, if for some reason you can't afford it, though, I, I will say the silver lining is I could see Kiri scoring a lot better the next few weeks of football. Um, so, you know, it's not the worst yeah. if you can't find any out of him. Yeah, he will. But like, think, think of it this way. Imagine, imagine you've got absolutely only one fullback spot and, you know, this is last year and you've got James Vesco there and he's scoring 100 each week, you go, oh, great, you know, he's scoring 100 each week, I bought him in 50. Yeah, but Tom's scoring, what, 180, so completely offsetting it. I think it's the same sort of scenario. He's a key position and there's guys that are a lot better than him in form with a higher base, so just punch him. Yeah, no, you, you do really need to prioritise Hines and, um, and Munster, like we said. Angus is another story. I, I sort of didn't mind holding him last week because I thought that the best case scenario might actually see him play 60 plus minutes, mix a um, middle and edge. Didn't happen. Uh, he ended up playing solely in the middle and he only played 37 minutes. So that absolutely killed him. He got 34 points for that effort uh, and obviously dropped a heap of cash. So he now has a BE, well over 100 points. You have to sell him at 606,000. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he comes good in a couple of weeks and absolutely burns owners. I'm actually going to be targeting him in a couple of weeks. Like I think that he's going to get his starting job back at some point soon. And when he does, um, I'm going to pounce because he'd probably be about 500000 and great value. For owners, it's really tough, though. Uh, you've already gone through one week hoping that the benching was going to be one week, and it's not. He's on the bench again this week, and 36 minutes was just a killer. Billy, I reckon people could have lived with it a little bit if it was sort of 55 or 60 minutes, even with the draw. Um, but with those low minutes, you, you pretty much have to get off Angus now. He 100% has to, has to be starting and getting those full edge minutes because he, he, re, he relies on that sort of clutch attack as well, not as much as Tupinua. But I think Butch is actually just playing that role. That he's, he's hard to say it, but he's, he's almost he's not playing Angus out of the position, but he's playing him out of minutes. Yeah, and Butch is an interesting one because I know that we had a bit of a chat about him. Um, I, I nabbed him in draft, but he played the full 80 minutes on the weekend, which is actually the first time he's played 80 minutes this year and scored 59 points. So he's now averaging 71 a game across 65 minute average. Um, it's, it's hard because he's only 480 K and he's still got a minus 24 BE. So a lot of people already made, you know, 60 grand on him if they managed to, to grab him in at 420,000, but he's still got a pretty decent negative break. Even uh, I just think it's a bit too scary to look at him because I think at some point Angus is going to take that job back in the next two weeks odd. Uh, so I just I see it's a bit risky, but I mean he could get points and get you some quick cash. Maybe the worst case scenario, you get good points and he gets seventy seventy five thousand. You know, would you punt Bullmore for him? So I don't have to take a drop and get a bit of a rise and maybe pray he 
gets 55 points off 60 minutes or something, I don't know. Look, I would. Um, if it's someone that you have to play, as long as you sort of are factoring in that you're going to burn a trade on him and maybe only make 75 grand, uh, I would as a sort of a two-week rental um, points because the next two weeks he's playing the edges of the Cowboys and the Broncos. So that's going to be decent starting edge spots for him to get some attack. And he already scored a double for 114 against those weak manly edges. So oh, I do think that as a short-term strategic trading, uh, you could grab him for someone like Bullimore. You just have to have the right expectations and know that you're going to be burning a trade reasonably soon. Yeah, probably. And the cash that you're going to use for upgrade next week, which probably gets the points back. So, yeah, I might just take Bullimore up. <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of big tradings at the moment are actually on the Cowboys' side. Um, Tom Dearden has started off the season on fire, averaging 78 points a game. He's now only 450-odd K, but he's actually gone up a heap already, minus 27 break-even, and he gave him at half or 5'8". 109 points against the Broncos, 59 and 67 the two weeks before. He's suddenly become very, very solid in his scoring for three weeks in a row and one of the few halves that's actually turned up this year so far. So... Certainly, if you jumped on him, uh, I think it's great. Um, but I would not be trading him in for a matchup against the Roosters this week. Um, and again, it's one of those things where I think we need to give props to the people that actually started with him. You've done really well, and you would obviously hold him for this week. But if you didn't, then I wouldn't be buying him. And a lot of people are, and mainly because if you buy him at half or five eight, there's too many guys that you need to have there, like a Heinz or a Munster. Um, and you can't afford to try and make money off a, a Dearden for a few weeks and not have those guys. I'd be trying to get them straight away or as soon as I could. So for me, Billy, this is one of the ones that I disagree with in the top 10 most traded in. Um, he's been going well. I don't think he'll keep going as well. I certainly don't think he'll score a ton this week against the Roosters. And I just think that you should be using those trades in your halves for other players. Yeah, key, uh, key example of sort of peaking early. Um um, he, he has looked good. He's, he's been doing actually really well. But uh, I think case in point, if you look at Nano's three sort of tries from last week, how did he get them? They weren't exactly from, you know, draw and pass or sort of death sort of touches. They were chips to a, a tall leg. That ain't going to happen three times a game every week. So I, I think curb your expectations a little bit there and be sensible about, about who you put in that position. Um, he will go well, but yeah, not not three try assist in that manner each week. He's going to have to find something else in his arsenal. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Nenai is the other one that's a big trade in this week for the Cowboys. And like, I think we spoke about it. Like, you probably should have grabbed him already last week with his negative break even. 100 points on the weekend, scored three tries. Negative break even again at 404,000. Um, but it's only a small negative break even. Like, he's just made, you know, 50 plus K already. So, you know, is this. One of those ones, Billy, where you're kind of chasing last week's points and you might bottom out making 40 or 50K or is there still a lot of money to be made or is there no sort of a longer-term option that you can jump in on? You know, a lot of people are getting him this week. Oh, it's hard to say. Um, he's 100% going to make um, a lot more coin. Um, is it going to be a quick cash injection or a slow burn? Uh Probably a bit of both. Like he's going to have games where he scores a double or has a couple of line breaks and then, then peaks, but he's also going to follow it up with a couple of games like he had in, I think it was his second week or his first week. So he looks really dangerous, has some great potential, but he just doesn't have that high base. I would still get him now. I think he's uh, he plays the first buy. He's got a couple of decent games coming up. Comes up with a really difficult game. You can afford not to play him, but um, 
yeah, I think he's just that awkward price point, but he's still one that you've got to get. Yeah, and like even though he's only got a low B now, this is where you need to really look at um, when scores drop in and out. So one of the big things is that that 100 is going to stick around for a couple of more weeks. The reason why he's only got like a minus eight break even at the moment with that 100 in there is because it's off a 56, 35 and 100. Now that 35 is going to drop off pretty soon. And then you're looking at maybe 100, a 50. And then if he scores another 60, you're going to get, you know, those negative break-evens a lot bigger and maybe a minus 20, minus 30. So, yeah, he is a pretty good buy at the moment because that 100 is going to stick around. If he hadn't scored 100 last week and he had that same break-even um, across his first few weeks and it was sort of spread out with like 360s, then I think that I'd, I'd be holding off a little bit more. But, um, yeah, he's very up and down. He scored 35 points in round two with only a seven, with a, with, a, with the one try, which is pretty low. But that 100 is going to stick around and that's the main thing. Don't know if he'll go that well against the Roosters this week. Um, would you play him? I mean, the Roosters should be a hard matchup, but our edges have been pretty weak lately. Yeah, I'm playing him this week. Um, I, I completely forgot about that. That 34 was with a 17-point try. So classic example of how horrendous that can be. But uh, <laughs> look, after how dangerous he looked last week, particularly under the high ball, I think they just... Uh, I think the half just aims for him. I think they try to repeat a little bit of that. Um, Roosters will obviously be right on top of that. It won't let it happen too much. But I think if he can just jag one of those and get like a 55 or, or a 60 even, I'd be really happy with that. I mean, two minds. I'm going to decide before kick before the round if I'm if we're going to play him or not. Uh, a couple of guys that are concerning for, for people. Um, two names that have come up a lot this last week, uh, Teddy and Billy Smith. Let's hit Billy Smith on the head right now. Um, I said last week that people have been a bit rough on Billy Smith because the first game he had a HIA, only played 50-odd minutes. The second game he still scored 32 with a 30 raw base. On the weekend he had a 30 raw base, um, and I think he had six tackle breaks as well. Ended up on 46 points overall with no clutch attack stats. So, yeah, 46 overall, no clutch attack stats, has a 13 break even, 294,000. The Roosters' run of good games is just starting. I wouldn't be selling him. Like I'd certainly be selling the Cobos and 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 those sort of cashies instead of a, a Billy Smith. His good runs coming, and he just scored forty six out of nothing on the weekend. That fifteen from round one that everyone's so upset about that drops out after this week, Billy. So decent matchup against the Cowboys on the wing. I'm not concerned about Billy Smith at all anymore. Um, I'd be holding him. The only concern is if he loses his spot in that team. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Like I messaged you, but this afternoon, mate, absolutely no, 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 no concerns at all. Um, I'd actually be more concerned if he actually moved back at centre because he, he a lot more runs runs on the right wing. That's where they go. Um, all he needs is one 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 attack stat, and he's going to be in the sort of seventy seventy fives, mate. So it'll come. They, Teddy, Teddy can't go left or up the middle forever, mate. He'll he'll punch them out the right hand side, and yeah. Um, um, Billy Smith will be the recipient of it, mate. I actually VC'd him last week because of that. Oh, big VC. Well, I'll, I'll tell you now, I'm playing him this week and I reckon Billy Smith's getting a try this week. That's going to happen. And that'll be a... If he did what he did last week and he had the line break try in there, you know, you're looking at a 70-plus score and away we go. Um, Teddy's the other one where I mentioned, like, there's quite a few people that are posting that they're trading him out for, obviously, the big guns that are around, whether it's a through jewels, a 5-8 like a Munster, or whether it's a Heinz or something at fullback and so forth, or jumping on Pappenhausen if it's a, a turbo-teddy combo. Um, look, he really didn't play well on the weekend, and he still scored 64, and it's one of the worst games I've actually seen him play. The week before, he scored 84 against Manly. Obviously, started badly with the first round, but so did everyone. 
He's playing the Cowboys, then the Broncos, then the Warriors, then the Dragons, then the Bulldogs, then the Eels. There is no better run than that of any team. Like the Roosters' run is now, and I'm high chance I'm captaining Teddy this week, and he's the captain for this game. So I, I can't see any way that anybody should be selling him, but I've already talked to a lot of people about this, Billy. You talk them out of it. Tell them why they shouldn't be selling Tedesco. Oh, you know he's going to go on a run. Um, he looks absolutely, not ordinary, but he didn't look as involved last week with sort of getting through the gaps. Um, he, he was still popping up everywhere. He's still tackle busting. He has that massive run coming up. And look, if a guy like Teddy can score what, 64 with one try that didn't really have a line break in it um, and do nothing else all game with that draw coming up, I'm more concerned about not earning him this week than I was Tom last week because everyone's got him and, and there will be a significant portion of people, uh, people chucking the sea on him. My fear is that I go backwards this week if he has a massive time. Um, I'm hoping that sort of Pappy offsets that. But, yeah, I, 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 if there's one guy I fear this week, it's him. So but if I if I can get through this week without him going too big and get him for the same price next week, I'll be ecstatic. Yeah, I mean, his B is in the 70s. So, I mean, it's not even a case of... He'll break it. He'll yeah, break it. that's the thing. Like, it's it, with people that are going to sell him, it's not even a case that he's going to bleed cash. Like, he's likely to... Just as likely to make the cash that he's dropped last week back next week. So, it's... Yeah, it, it's a really, really bad sell. Like, I can't say that enough of how bad a sell it is. The time that he's going to score... Here's the Broncos. Broncos. Yeah, and the, like they gave up top points to fullbacks last year, and then they just had the the Cowboys put what thirty eight on them on the weekend and smash them. Like honestly, this is the run that you have guys like Tedesco for. If you didn't own Tedesco, I'd be looking at buying him for this run for the next two months, and then if you wanted to flip him and get another fullback, so be it. But this is the period for Tedesco. Sell somebody else. I'm going to probably captain him this week against the Cows. I know that they've been going well, Billy, but. I kind of think that the the cows have been playing not that good of sides either. So I mean, top sport better the week. Roosters minus six and a half, a dollar eighty five. Sign me up, all over it. Let's go. Storm versus dogs team changes. Um, Harry Grant returns, which is huge. Uh, the big news really is that Josh King holds on to his job as a lock, um, and we've got B Smith on the bench. I actually thought that B Smith might start at lock and and make King a little bit less relevant, but that's not happened uh, for the Bulldogs. Hetherington's out for the season. So Waddell is starting on the edge and Luke Thompson starting at prop. So big watches on a couple of those guys. But first of all, Hughes, mate, a lot of jumping off Hughes. He's the most traded out Storm player by a mile. And he's just dropped a bit of cash as well. So I kind of understand. He's got a break even of well over 100. He's gone 44 and 44 at back-to-back weeks now. Um, he is playing the Bulldogs this week, though, which is obviously a better matchup for him than the Eels and Souths. When he had a good matchup in round one against the Tigers, he scored 103. He's averaging 64 for the year. Now, 630,000, I kind of think that this is about where he was going to be at around 64 points. So I totally get selling him, especially because most of those people are probably going to a Heinz at the moment. So it is one of those sells that even though Hughes is probably going to go well this week, it, it makes sense to probably get rid of him. Yeah, probably does. But I think he's still got to reasonably sort of soft draw. Like you've got you got Raiders next week, then you've got two games at home back to back. And with all the rain in Sydney Sydney around, I think dry dry tracks are impeccable. He plays um later in the weekend. Like he's got um so where is it? So, so he's playing Sunday this week versus the dogs. Um then he's got 
the Saturday game round five against the Raiders, Saturday game against the Sharks at home. That's the late night one too. And then the Monday on the Anzac Day versus the Warriors and then Monday Sunday versus the Knights. Oh, and Sunday again versus the Dragons. So he's got he's got this the late round game every weekend. So if you if you really wanted to, um, you could you could evaluate how other 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 um VC options are going and even even have a smoky captaincy on it if you wanted if you wanted to it'd be a bit far fetched but at least it gives gives you the option of watching watching him go around with sort of Pappy and sort of Pappy Munster and um, Harry Harry Grant at home on dry tracks work work versus weaker opposition mate it'd be exciting game to watch if you had all four yeah it'd be exciting for the good games I mean have it, if you had all four in your spine though I mean that's a big issue so I mean that's one of the reasons why you probably want to sell a Hughes right because to me. He's the fourth guy out of the the spine that you'd want in your side, and I really think at the moment, like everyone should be getting Grant in, and and Munster's put his hand up as well now. Obviously, Pat's been going well, but there's comparative options that you could stick with instead of Pat. The other thing with Hughes is that if you don't have, obviously, a lot of people have Schneider in at, at halfback from the Raiders, and you can't trade him. And if you have no Hines, then Jerome Hughes to Hines makes total sense to me. And I think that's what most of these people are doing. So I reckon you've got to do that trade. Um, Munster and Grant are obviously the two big guns that we've mentioned, though, for the trade-ins, and they are in the top 10 most traded in. Grant and Munster are both only playing their third game this week, so you do have the added benefit of getting them in uh, without a price change yet. Um, Grant's got a 50s BE, whereas... Oh, sorry, Grant's actually not changing price this week, so he can afford to wait a week, um, whereas Munster is about to change price. The Munster BE, though, um, is a lot harder. You pretty much really need to jump on him this week with a single-digit break-even at seven. Just under 650K, Billy, he's coming off of 74 and 121 against your Eels, in which they lost. Coming into this Bulldogs game, geez, you would really want to prioritise getting Cam Munster in right now, playing against the Dogs this week. Yeah, um, you could do worse than sort of um, punting Hughes, moving Ilias up to seven and then bringing in Munster at six this week and then um, obviously just playing Schneider. Um, that's probably one option if you've already got Hines at fullback and you don't really ha- have a need to move him, move him up just yet. That's one option. Question for you, actually. So I watched that game on Fast Forward last week because I, I was with the kids and I didn't see every single one of the, um, Munster's moves. How dangerous did how dangerous did he look, did he look last week on the on the dry track? Was it was it more sort of tackle busting, getting through your line, or was it was it single clutch, or was he really really involved? He's pretty he was pretty involved. Um, he looked good, um, and it was um, just the running as well, uh, and also the fact that he had the, the couple of tries assists too. Like with the running, I think that he had close. He either had ten or twelve tackle breaks. So that's how good he looked when he was running the ball, and it's something that I think that we saw a little bit in that South game. He wasn't getting the assists and he, he wasn't getting the slick passes for the line breaks and stuff, but he was actually running the ball and he was pretty aggressive at taking the line on. And last week, you know, 10, 12 tackle breaks, it says it all really with that. But he also got the assists there too, you know, where he's got the line break and then he's got the try assist off that from his run too. Uh, and he didn't score a try for that 121 points. So it's just really scary with him coming in this Bulldogs game this week. And that's why I think... Like this next two weeks, like you can prioritise Munster this week and wait for Grant next week because Grant's not going to change in price yet. Yeah. Have you, um, there'll be more aerodynamic this week too. Have you seen his haircut? <laughs> I don't know whether that's going to help him too much, really. But, um, you look, if he scored 121 next last week against the Eels in a losing effort, 
Do you even look at him as a captain this week? Could you could you double down and say I'm going to go for the double ton two weeks in a row and just put the C? Mate, on I can't him? stop looking at him anything but an Eshe. <laughs> it just looks terrible. <laughs> I uh, well, look in in this game, I couldn't go past um, the goal kicker. I have I, I cannot pick Munster over Pappy. Um, but I tell you what, if you don't own um, Pappy. Um, Hell of an option. Very scared being a non-Pappenhausen owner this week. Uh, 107 on the weekend, back to form. Um, it's, yeah, I, I think I'd side with the Pappenhausen C if I was going to look at one here. But a Munster could be, you know, a real dark horse pod C because he could back up last week. He's running the ball really well at the moment. I will just have a quick shout out for draft. Uh, Waddell is now going to be the unquestioned starting edge uh, with Hetherington gone. TPJ's ruled out. Um, TBJ has moved down to an edge as well. So he's going to be a bit of a watch with that 30 in his rolling average too. Um, the top spot bet of the week, you would expect that the Storm are heavy favourites. They are dollar eighteen, um, But I tell you what, the line's interesting because minus 13 and a half the Storm have got. The Bulldogs have been hanging around and grinding with teams. Um, and that game last week, I reckon, might have taken a bit out of the Storm. I'm going to take them at minus 10 and a half at $1.76. But you know, this game might be a little bit closer than what people think, even though I'm sure that the Storm will win. Eels and Dragons is the last one. Uh, big trade-outs in this one. Okay, everyone's jumping off Marnie. I get it. They have been for weeks. He hasn't been scoring well. Sloan and Amon from the Dragons, though, it's a little bit more interesting because if you, you know, me and you spoke about Sloan, he only scored the 26 on the weekend. If you owned him, you kind of expected these games. Like, if he was playing a tough game, he was going to score badly. Um and people are jumping off in droves. You own Sloan at the moment. You kind of expected this. He started off the season well. He's just had one of his. He's just had his first big shocker. You would have seen that coming. Are you staying on Sloan, or are you going to jump ship as well? No, nah, jumping ship only because I expected him to be um, pretty have a pretty ordinary base. Um, what I didn't expect was for him to be completely uninvolved to the point where he, where, where he scored last week. Um, I think even the week before when he, when he did, when he did, when he did go over the line, it was, it was nowhere near what I, what I expected. I was happy with the, th- with the first week, uh, got sort of, you know, a 70 does have a horrid base, but it was one of those 50, 50 calls I made just because I thought, he scored what, 80, 88 or something or other versus South last year. Tackle buster there. I don't think the draw was as hard as what everyone made out. But, um, yeah, after watching him the last couple of weeks, um, I'm just going to take my money and run, mate. I think May presenting himself has made things a lot easier. I think the bloke can score twice the base output for half the price, and I can use that coin elsewhere. So it's a pretty easy upgrade for me. Yeah, I think his price point kills Sloan, and I said that in the off-season. 440000 is at the moment, and that just kills him because it's just too high. Uh, back-to-back weeks are scoring 26 and one try in there as well, which is a killer. But 78 points at the start of the year. He's got Parramatta and South the next two weeks, and then followed by Newcastle, which is no longer that easy, and then the Roosters. So we spoke about in the preseason with Marty, who we had on the pod, the Dragons' horror draw. And that really put me off Sloan because he's a guy that relies on clutch attack and that's exactly what we've seen. Uh, Amon is a bit different though. And I think it's a bit different, Billy, because of the price point. Um, I don't think that you have to be selling Amon, particularly when you can move him from 5'8 to your centre wing to accommodate one of those big trade-ins. Um, scored 17 on the weekend, 49 the week before, 23 the week before that. It's it's one of those things though where he's, he's only got a BE of 22. 
um, and he's only two hundred eighty-three thousand. So I mean, I think that he, I think people are probably prioritizing trading Adam Moan more than what they need to. He's not going to lose really any cash this week, and you can hope that he goes over for some clutch attack on your bench and just not play him. Um, he looked very talented last year. He hasn't looked very good in attack so far, but he's only a game removed from scoring forty-nine against Penrith. I think it's an easy hold with a 22 B myself. You can't really do anything with that money anyway at the moment. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, but then I looked at a draw and went, he's got uh, um, Eels this week who held the storm. Um, he's got Rabbits next week who's got no chance against. He's got a couple of home games and one's against the Knights, but then he comes up against the Chooks. So it's kind of like, uh, three out of the next four don't look any good. Then he's got the Tigers. Okay, brilliant. Maybe he might score well then. Then he's got the Storm. So I just, I look at the draw and just go, nah, just take my money and run. See you later. Too much of a slow burn. If yeah, I'm the opposite. I just don't see any need to trade him at the moment. So I'm just going to leave him there myself. But oh, don't need to, don't need to. Just to, if you, if you had to cut, cut yep. someone to get, you know, 100 grand. Who are you going to choose? Nah, he's one of the options as well, I'm saying. That's yeah, right. and that makes sense as well. Um, I get why people are doing it with him. Uh, but, you know, if you don't need to trade him and you can trade someone else instead to get what you need, you may as well keep the guy with the really fairly low break even. Uh, other guys are interesting at the moment for these two teams for this matchup, Eels and Dragons. Lomax has been spoken about quite a bit. Certainly a lot of people are looking at upgrading centre. Lomax has very quietly averaged 62 so far in a pretty tough start to the season. He's done it with a raw base of 34. All the things that we like about Zach Lomax, you know, minimal attack and good base with goal kicking, 70 points, 50 points and 65 points on the weekend. Really rock solid. Um, Obviously has a tough draw coming up. His break even's mid 40s, so he's not really going to change in price too much. Um, But at 516,000, I think a lot of people are looking at just jumping on because um, he's been so solid and obviously when they have the easier matchups, he, he has a chance to turn up. I know that I had a look at him and ended up deciding on on a Tupo instead to jump on that Roosters run. Um, Campbell Graham is another one for South that I was targeting at a similar price point. I get why people are jumping on Lomax, Billy. Um, he has scored well despite tough games so far, but he does have a tough run coming up and that I just can't keep, I just can't get that out of my head that the run at the moment including the Eels this week, isn't the easiest for him. Yeah, but he does well against those teams anyway. Like, last four games of last year, um, Canberra 50, Penrith he scored 67, Sydney Roosters he scored 95, then 75 versus North Queensland. If you go back earlier in the year, um, there's probably only a couple of difficult games in there, but he scored 64 versus the Eels, 92 versus Manly, so he, he puts up points. I mean, last year he averaged uh, 57, but if you take the two game, the two um, horrendous game, uh, low minute games out, average 65. So the the only thing I don't like is the is the way he looks. Like the, the last the last couple of weeks, it seems like every single time he's got a defender on him, he just goes hammer and tong, like just bat, thrashes his arms and his head about, just trying to get off right away, and just throws it in the stands. He just there's no controller. It's almost like every single time he touches the ball, there has to be an offload line break assist. I think he just needs to calm. Kind of like reminds me of Stag. He just needs to calm the hell down, relax. Remember that he's an absolute brilliant player. He just, he doesn't need doesn't need to to force force mistakes. I think he's a good enough player that can sort of calm down and show his consistency. But whether or not he he throws the ball around and forces mistakes, or whether he whether he turned into Lamax of last year. I think he's still going to get that 65 average regardless of his draw. So, look, for me, I think I'm going to 
wave him for now. I think there's much higher priorities. I don't think you're going to get like massive tons out of him. But as soon as viable and you need some stability in that sort of the center three quarter, I think at his price, he starts becoming an option and maybe sort of three or four weeks at the earliest. So. Yeah, uh, certainly down the track, I, I'd be looking at buying him. Um, I think that the the Dragons got trounced last week by the Sharks and they looked really bad. Um, the Eels, alternatively, looked good against the Storm and had a big win. So I think the Eels are very much momentum swinging on the up at the moment and the Dragons are going down. And I think that the Eels could actually put a big score on them this week and it's tough. And I get what you're saying. I totally agree. Lomax is still going to have really rock-solid scores against the hard games and that's why you want him. But if you're choosing one centre wing and all these other guys have draw upside to get a ton and Lomax doesn't, then I just don't see why you go for Lomax. You go for the guys that have the ton upside that are there with the draw. Um, and Eels this week, I just think he's going to struggle. So have, an, have another look this week at uh, maybe some of the other options. You can wait a few weeks, like Billy said. Um, Dylan Brown needs a shout-out because I don't talk about him enough. And a couple of listeners will, will be upset if I don't mention it because there is a few owners. Brown got a ton on the weekend at 100 points. He uh, looked really good, had the clutch attack stats, had the, the try assists, the line break assists he doesn't normally have. Uh, and obviously had his very solid raw base that we know he's got at a raw base of 40. So that got him his ton. He's now got a minus 10 break even at 510,000. So he's gone up in a bit of cash for owners, which is good for anyone that started with him. Um, a few people are looking and saying, well, he might even be a buy because you can um, make some money out of him at the moment. Um, and he's actually going well. Uh, I had a few people that I like discussing Supercoach with. Do I mention Wilfred? Yeah, I'll mention Wilfred again. Uh, Wilfred said that he might match someone like Cody Walker um, in the foreseeable future. Um, I disagree with that one. To me, I'm going to give props to Dylan Brown. And I'm going to give props to people that got a little bit lucky, but an educated you know, risk you know, that paid off that they started with him and they're going to make some good cash out of him now. And it's great. Um, but I'm going to say that I'm not interested in buying him. And I don't think that 100 is going to happen again anytime soon. They do have the Dragons this week, Billy. They do then have the Titans and the Tigers. It is a good run for him. We've just seen these runs before and he hasn't gotten the most out of them. And the game that he's got his ton out of the first time in like 20 weeks is against the Storm. So, I mean, that probably sums it all up. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, mate. I think you've actually hit that analogy right in the head. I'm going to call it the momentum pendulum because they certainly are on an upswing at the moment. I think the uh, yeah, the Dragons are on that sort of downward spiral with them. Um, you could probably ride Dylan Brown for a bit more um, until such time as, as he sort of tapers off. Uh, and he will. He's not the Cleary type that's going to keep punching sort of massive scores because he doesn't keep goals. He's not going to have those assists every week. He's not the Cleary type in that he, he doesn't get the uh, the ball on the fifth tackle all the time. Moses always gets that. I mean, you always see the, the bombs and the kicks and the chips and the grubbers and the drop goals that end up try assists from, from Moses. Uh, you're going to just see um, Dylan Brown as more of a runner that sort of gets through that line every now and then. So I think just be happy with a 45 right out three or four weeks and then just use him as that platform as quick as you can. Yeah, I agree. And I, I definitely wouldn't be buying him. I'd be prioritising the other um, big guns to get in. Um, a guy I am interested in, though, and I'm really intrigued by, Isaiah Papali'i. I wasn't interested in, in the preseason. Obviously, at his price point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's come in and like the first two weeks were, were okay, 58, 65. I sort of felt good that I didn't spend any money on him because 688,000 for those scores. Why would you want that? He's come out on the weekend and scored 94, got some clutch attack and had a raw base of 66. Obviously, played three extra minutes, but still 
really good result. 686,000 at the moment, 54 BE. You can afford to wait, and I'm going to. Uh, one of the things that did change with the Eels this week is Ryan Madison was named on the bench. So it is going to be intriguing to watch um, how that unfolds with the, the rotations. Maddo started at lock to start the season. Obviously, was edged last year. Does that take... 20 minutes off Papa Lee. Does it take 15 minutes off him? Does he keep playing 80 minutes? Because of his break even, Billy, we can obviously watch and see because he's not really going to change in price. But I tell you what, when I'm having a look at this draw, for someone who I wasn't really interested in before, Dragons this week, Gold Coast Titans, West Tigers, Newcastle, Cowboys. I'm, I'm pretty happy with this next five weeks. Yeah. I think I know where my Bullimore upgrade is going. Um, I... <laughs> That's a big. That's a big upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, David Fafita needs to go somewhere. Um, he can get split into a couple of guys. Mate, my biggest disappointment with uh, Papa Lee is that he's he's fallen foul of the afro and uh, fallen in line with the sheep. I just can't stand that mullet, mate. I miss the fro. I miss I, I miss <laughs> I miss my filly filly injection. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, he's uh, bad haircuts aside because that's half the NRL at the moment. It seems to be a bit of a competition. Um, he he's playing against some outstandingly good edges for Super Coach scoring for him in the next five weeks. And this Dragons game, I'm going to say he he could go eighty plus again this week. I'm going to pick him for an eighty plus score, um, which is one of the reasons I'd really like to buy him. It's just he's quite expensive, and I guess the astute thing is to wait. But I tell you what, if you wanted to go the pod move and jump on a forward for this week that's got some attack potential the next few. Papa Lee is, is the pod move. There isn't a lot of forwards available at the moment, aside from a Cam Murray that are red-hot buyers with those type of draws. Uh, Papa Lee, I'd say, is the other one. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think you just need to put down a list of uh, guys that you want over the next sort of four or five weeks and then prioritise them. Um, I think at the top of everyone's list is probably the key guys that you want personally for your own team. Um, I mean, don't just listen to us, like, listen to your gut. But, you know, obviously the, the Chooks and the um, and uh, the Rabbits have um, mint draws at the moment, so those are two key ones. Um, people need to think about whether, whether they want sort of Tom back in sort of three or four weeks. You look at the guys at, like, at the Storm, like, you know, sort of Munster and Grant and go, which ones of those do I want? And then you look at, you know, then you start looking at, you know, your outside backs and your forwards and go, all right, so my key, the key spine guys that I'm fearful of, you know, plus potentially clear, Cleary um, coming back, you think about those guys first, then you look at uh, your forward pack and go, okay, so now, now that the scary guys are out of the way, how can I how can I boost a fifty average forward into an eighty average forward? You know, with a guy like sort of Papa Lee, that's where you start bringing him into consideration. Yep, and look, he's a perfect example of one that we've changed our opinions on from the preseason, and that's going to happen when roles change. You know, Papa Lee ended up uh, on an edge playing eighty minutes, which I don't think either of us expected, and that changes things quite a bit. You know, if he's guaranteed eighty on an edge, that changes things a lot. And he's also one of those guys where, you know, I've made the comment with the David Fafita that I'm a lot more confident trading him out because his base isn't very good and he relies so much on clutch attack and there's a lot less clutch attack this year. I'm saying with Papa Lee, hey, you know, there's great clutch attack available. The great thing about him is that his base is really high, but he also has the clutch and base base attack in there. So he's like a really good, almost like a morphing of like a Cam Murray, Yo and for feeders qualities all into one 80 minute edge 
So he actually has the best of both worlds with his raw base and also his clutch attack potential if he has a good draw. We need to finish up on this one, and I'm going to say the pod captain, pod captain option, the king, Gutho. If the Dragons go like they did last week, the Eels are going to put 30-40 on them, and Gutho will be right at the centre of it. He scored 87 and 81 points the last two weeks. Uh, I like him for a 90-plus score this week against the Dragons, possible ton. So as a real dark horse pod option, as a ton um, captaincy, last game of the round, Hail Mary Gutho, I reckon. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's a, a dark horse. I think he's just not as likely to go over 100 as you, uh, your, your Pappenhusen types. But I'll I tell you what, versus the Dragons, there's absolutely no one else in that Eels team I, w- I would bank for 100. Yep. As easily as Gutho. As easily, yeah, I agree. Uh, look, Thanks for coming on again, Billy. Appreciate it again for the TLT Supercoach podcast. Always a pleasure, mate. Good luck this week. Thanks, mate. Look forward to it. Make sure you jump on to Topsport, topsport.com.au. SC All Stars is your promo code to create an account today. This podcast is available everywhere, but particularly SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and now on Amazon and Audible as well. If you want to grab us there, certainly subscribe too so you get the episodes as soon as they hit. We have the Talk and Footy episode hitting on Friday again. We'll be back for TLT. Next Wednesday, it will drop again for you. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore All Stars. I have been sick last week, guys, so I apologize about my voice. It has been cracking a little bit and not so good. I'm going to be better next week. I'll be shouting heaps at the Roosters, I'm sure, over the weekend against the Cowboys. Hopefully good things, but I'll try and get the voice ready and locked and loaded for the next podcast. Until then, good luck with your Supercoach teams. Good luck with your choices this week and look forward to chatting to you again about all the footy and all the action from round four. Hey now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go play. Hey now, you're a rock star. Get the show on, 